What up, guys? Coach Jimmy here with Tech Talk. Today, I have Taylor, I have Wyatt, and Bam Bam. Uh, we're just going to talk about injuries and things like that. So, uh, this is the new setup. Sorry we haven't been on in a while. Uh, honestly, I, I had to change out some cameras and get some other things set up. We're still uh, hammering out the bugs on that, but we will be doing this, and we will be streaming our podcast live every week on the same day. Uh, what day that will be, we'll let you guys know as soon as we can hammer out all of our schedules so that we can get this thing done. Anyway, uh, funny story. We were talking about when Wyatt used to coach here, how he was um, a little shy about his voice and things like that, how he overcame it. And uh, we were talking about him. One time he dyed his beard because he had like a patchy beard. <laughs> Listen, I was going through a phase to where, like, I really wanted a manly beard. And so, like, I always seen Jimmy with one. And so I got to this point to where, like, I, when I first started here, it was, it was very, very short. And it was always patches here, here, <laughs> here, and here. And I couldn't really get it to connect. But finally, it, it, about a year into it, it really connected, starting to. And, uh, and Jimmy was on the way here. Um, and this is probably maybe 30 minutes before kids' class. And uh, I had actually dyed my beard because I was always self-conscious of it being red. And I wanted it black or at least brown. I want to look natural and cool. And I dyed, <laughs> I dyed it, it black. And uh, I left it in there for about a good 20 minutes. I didn't know I was supposed to do that. And so when I went to take a shower, it didn't come out. So the first person I called was Jimmy. And he rushed here and we, he had a put all kind of alcohol and everything off. It didn't really <laughs> officially come out to the next day, so I was in kids' class looking pretty. So I don't remember this at all. Funny. Like, this is the first I'm hearing about it. This is amazing. Dude, it was pretty funny because, uh, like, he called me. He was like, dude, it won't come off. <laughs> and I was like, what are you talking first about? First, he answered the phone, and it's just fresh. And when he first looked at it, <laughs> like, I had to cover it up and said, dude, I did something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I, I so I got here and I was like, uh, I was like, uh, yeah, I don't know, I don't know how we're gonna fix this, but I like got some alcohol and I was like trying to not rub his face raw. My face was completely raw. He rubbed it. Don't let him lie to you. Yeah, I was it. trying not to. Like that's the thing is like I was trying really hard not to, but I was also trying to get it off. So. <laughs> but hey, you look normal. It was just a little red for it was. But they look normal for it after was. It's always crazy. Like one story makes you remember another story. Like that reminds me uh growing up, I was probably like four or five. And I thought I don't know what it was. I had like a spot on my head. And my mom thought it was like a grease spot. So she spent thirty minutes trying to scrub my head trying to get this out and never did. The next night I went to spend a night uh with some friends across the road and their mom saw it, spent 30 minutes doing it, like almost getting blood. She called like, hey, I guess he got it here playing with the kids. But there's this like grease spot. She goes, oh, no, no, is there. I tried last night. Well, he must have a headache now because I just tried 30 minutes to get it out too, and he didn't coming out. Like, I don't know what it was. Just had a spot on my head that wouldn't come out. Scrubbing your head. Two knots in a row, two different moms. Like, it, it hurt. <laughs> Scrubbing. That's funny. Um, So today's podcast or whatever, we're talking about – uh injuries and uh how you overcome them i guess like um i don't even remember why we wanted to do this particular podcast well i think it came about because at the time i was injured 
And I've had a string of injuries here in the past, what's this, April? When was that last competition we did? October? September? October, I believe. I've had one injury after the other since then. Mm -hmm. And then you got injured. Mm -hmm. I think Zach went through an injury and Jay. And we said, you know what? Let's do an injury podcast. Mm -hmm. And talking about, like, your mental mental well-being, the mental strength to not being able to train, having to sit on the sidelines, or what you do to be able to still train, like some of the small things you still can do. And I think that's where we got about talking about it. Because you've suffered, I know, injuries throughout your career. I'm still dealing with a couple right now. I know Wyatt has some, especially wrestling through high school and up there now where you're at. So I think that's where we're at. So, I mean, who wants to kick it off? Hey, uh, I'll talk about um, trying to come off of a back surgery and then still compete in MMA and losing six months just trying to get to where you feel normal again. And then, uh, like, excuse me, like growing, like changing teams and having to drive two hours one way just to train, having kids, uh, just all of those things that you have to overcome. And then, like, all the mental burdens of your everyday life just to train to be able to get to do these things that we we do because we want to strive for greatness not just use it as an excuse and yeah. out yeah you you want to strive for greatness you want your name to be remembered you want people to to say oh yeah jimmy uh jimmy or bam bam or taylor or wide or whoever is like man they they were out there grinding and um i was actually talking the other day with a buddy of mine and he was saying that he was looking at my life and looking at the 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 way everything was set up. And it's like, dude, you had every opportunity in the world to be a piece of shit. And uh, like to to not do the thing, be able to do the things. You had all the excuses in the world. And to see what you've done, man, and how far you've come. He was like, it, it really, I really wanted to tell you, you know, like, I respect you a lot because of what you come through. Um, like growing up, the way that I grew up, the household that I grew up in. Um, <clears throat> then here, there I was trying to uh, do something bigger than myself. And then opening this school so other people could find a pathway to do better and better themselves. And then like constantly dealing with, you know, your, your low back pains and then dealing with the, the, the pains in between your shoulders and the, and then still trying to get in here just to coach and be a competitor and do all those things. Like it, it does get a little annoying and discouraging knowing like, man, uh, I'm at the end of that. I'm a, I'm all, I'll always be a competitor, but I'm at the end of it. Like I'll be 37 years old this year. And, uh, trying to get over that uh, mindset of, okay, now it's my time to help the younger generation really get what I didn't have the the true opportunity to get because I got into this late in life. Like, uh, I started early, I started early in air quotes with uh, the wrong people. And then by the time I got around the right people, I was it was too, it was almost too late. Like then I was, I was plagued with back injuries. I was plagued with, uh, I was diagnosed with lupus. And then I had all these other things 
that were stopping me from becoming what I wanted to become and all these other excuses. And I'm like, nah, I'm going to, I'm still going to train. I'm still going to come in. I'm still going to do all the things that I want to do. And I, I tried really hard to, to make sure I set the example for everyone around me. Like, Hey, you can, you always have excuse, you know, you, you can always have a reason not to, or a reason to. And like, um, when you get injured, like you're not broken to the point that you can't still train your mind. You, right. you, you can't still, you, 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 we're sharpening your mind. And if you're showing up to class, then you're learning whether you're, whether you're learning through, uh, seeing some of the stuff that other guys are doing, because believe it or not, I, when I got, when I hurt my back and I was doing all this traveling and I was just kind of sitting at the edge of the mat watching, I seen people judging me that was doing things like, oh, man, he's, he's just showing up. He ain't training. He ain't doing anything. I, had, I seen those guys. And then uh, I seen the respect from my older cats that was like, oh, man, he's still showing up. And uh, when I got back on this mat, or on the mat, from my injury, I was better. And it's funny because you see guys rolling. And guys doing certain things that you're like, oh, you never get to see those, those roles. You never get to see those things if you're rolling every single round. You don't, you don't get to see those. And I learned a lot of times like, oh, yeah, this guy does this from this position. This guy does this sitting on that wall when I was injured. I got to see a lot of things that took place. So having to sit by and watch, because I've been there, and I've seen other people where, like me, I'm worse when I come back. I need, like, a learning curve, like, to get back where I was, I feel like. And other people just pick up where they left off. Were you able to actually – you said you were better. Were you ever able to implement what you had learned immediately coming back from injury? So, yeah, I uh, I, I was one of the ones, like uh, – I was one of the ones that people are like, man, I wish I could do that. I wish I could do that. Jimmy will just see something and then be able to do it. And I, I had a lot of people – make the, those compliments, I mean, or compliments to me, or those comments yeah. to me, you know? Like, oh, I, uh, I wish I was able to do that. Because I could see something, or somebody could do something to me, yeah. and I'll go, oh, that's cool. And then, so, very next role, I'm trying to figure out and trying to do what they just did to me to someone else. Yeah. And um, I learned really quickly that way. But every single time, there was that mental side of it that I had to overcome. And what I mean by that is my body wasn't conditioned to do it anymore. Like my body was softer. I had, and I had to overcome that softness uh, or that hardness that I had already built up. About had, timing. Yep. That was my and big one. I had to overcome the timing issue again yeah. and like earn that back. So, and then the hardest part, is you would be really, really good training partners with one person. Like y'all would be neck and neck. Like you, you always, I feel like you always have to have the three. And what I mean by the three, you have to have that one person that's just way better than you that you're striving to reach mm -hmm. that level. Because I feel like you need that to, to motivate you. So that dog in you is, you need is to be there. the nail. Yes. 
Uh, well, not necessarily the nail. Yeah, the nail. But yeah. you need that person, like whether they that you're the nail for them or not. You need that have that person so that uh, you're chasing somebody. Yes. Like whether that's an imagine. Like for me, that monster was the person that was, I was going to fight, or the person that they were always better than me. In my mind, that person was training at four o'clock in the morning. He was running at that. That day, he after after he hit his run, he wrestled for two hours. He kickboxed for two hours. He did Brazilian jiu-jitsu for two hours, and then he did his MMA that night. And then he went to bed and slept for four hours and got up and did it again. And that's who I was always – that was that person above me, right? And then, uh, then you need the people that push you in the gym that are at your level. And then you need the people that below you so that you could try out your new shit on them. Yes. And you need that. In my mind, you need those three people. Well, when you get injured, your people change. Well, I was about to say, I wanted to add on. I feel like there's a fourth person you need, too. Because just a short amount of time I've been doing this, uh, three and a half years now, about it. Uh, I've had an injury here, injury there, never, like, grouped up. Like, I had first, like, the shoulder injury from getting a Kimura ripped. Then I bent my thumb backwards to my wrist and had to wear a cast for like two weeks, three weeks. And short amount of time, just sat there by myself and came to class like you did, wrote in my notebook, watched. It was fine. But then uh, this last big competition we did with the adults, I stepped up and did my weight class and won it. But then for my skill level intermediate, I did the open weight. And I was always a step behind and got caught in a cast saucer. And I didn't think nothing about it. But ever since then, like, it was just a nagging injury to where, like, small tissue damage or so. My knee just bothers me. And then it was one right after the other. So for, I've been, like, for the past six months, it was first my knee. Then uh, I fell in a fire pit and got, like, second-degree burns on my side. Then I tried to body lock on someone that was a little bit broader and didn't get my foot under my knee. Three pops on my ankle. Now, now i got, like, tennis elbow. And it's just one thing after the other. And one thing that helped me get through it. Oh, didn't even mention. Didn't even go in the woods. But I'm so allergic to poison ivy. The wind blew the pollen. And now I got poison ivy on my arm. So the what helped me in these few months was having someone else injured. And we both sat on the sidelines. That was Taylor for me. <laughs> like having that person to sit with me and we talked. Like honestly, being injured during that time some, some of that was the funnest ever because we would sit there with like a veggie tray and commentate <laughs> on the class. Emotional and, sport clown. Yeah. Like it, so even though it sucked not training, and I especially felt a step behind because during this time, you promote me to purple belt. So not only was I injured and couldn't train, and for me coming back, I'm always, I feel like, okay, I got to get my timing back, the conditioning you talked about. Like I feel a step behind. Now I feel like, oh, I'm up a level. Now I really got to come back. But then injury after injury after injury, like Taylor helped me get through that because I'm sitting there like, this is bullshit. Like, I'm ready to get back at it, and I can't. So just us joking during class, like, uh, Coach Jimmy, he really smashed him that time. <laughs> <laughs> like, and just eating veggie tray, like, it helped me get through it mentally. Cracking our carrots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we crack a carrot, and, like, we think we're loud. Like, thinking we're interrupting class, biting down on a carrot. It was like, <laughs> <laughs> Like, I'm just saying mentally, like, it helped me get through it because it was just all back to back to back. Gotcha. 
So, first of all, G Coach Jimmy never smashes anybody. <laughs> no, that's what I was talking about, like, watching you demonstrate the move. You would be demonstrating for them to drill the move and like, wow, he really caught that heel hook. <laughs> like, just commentating, having fun with it. Just having fun with it. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> well, um, so I guess we need to add, like, a, an injury – uh, injury corner or something to the gym and like yeah. hey dude if you get injured here's our corner well that was like, it when i started training back i think zach took my place in or jay no it was that because you were still injured yes i was still injured uh, what were you injured uh i herniated my l6 s1 i believe is what it was um i herniated that disc and i had a bulging disc at l5 l6 and um so i was out for Gosh, from December through to about the middle of February to almost March. And see, we went through the same thing because you got promoted at the same time I did. Oh, it was terrible. So did you feel a step behind like I was talking about? I felt like I was supposed to be a certain person. I, my grappling was supposed to be a certain way. I was supposed to bring a certain skill to the table, and I still feel that way, especially because our women's team is growing so much. We have... No, including our teenagers. We have nine women, almost ten. Yeah. And um, I feel like I'm supposed to be, like, the ringleader. And it's like, I don't know if I know this well enough. <laughs> I haven't been doing this very long. And you just feel like you're not adequate, especially since I did have to take those months off, like my first few months of being a blue belt. And so now I'm just like, no, I'm basically just the glorified white belt. Yeah. Like, I haven't haven't earned this yet yeah. one thing i will tell you especially you trying to because we talked about starting a women's class mm -hmm. and of course you're going to be the leader mm -hmm. uh and when me being the head kiss coach and taking over at least one adult class a week and covering for coach jimmy when he isn't here mm -hmm. uh one thing i didn't want to tell them something wrong or just make up something so the go-to is just being a good leader Admit when you don't know. Like, just tell him you don't know. So I would tell him, that's a Coach Yumi question. We'll ask him tomorrow when he's here. Like, I'll just tell him, like, I don't know. It's like, funny because you're, you guys will be asking me, like, oh, what's the name of this? That move that we do. Hedgehog. That's, that's the name. <laughs> that's, 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 the, that's the name of that move that we do. I don't know. I have to ask. Like, right. because starting in that 10th Planet system, like, um, when we switched to the tenth planet system, like uh, reverse scarf is now twister side, twister side uh, scarf, or um, you know, uh, scarf is now judo side, and like things that traditional things that are named certain things is something else. And now I'm I'm like the dark haven safe haven, dark haven safe haven. That's a good good example. And now I'm like oh. I gotta talk to I gotta talk to my coach. Like, hey, yeah. like I I don't care. Like it's it's one of those things where like, yeah, this is what I do. And sometimes it's not always do as I it's not always do what I do because they're like it's funny. Um at the uh at Tenth Planet Perry there, uh, <laughs> they'll be demonstrating a move and coach will go, well, What do you do? And he's like, I would never do that. <laughs> <laughs> he's like i would never do that but i see why you do it and i see why it works and he's like that's kind of why it works is like yeah i i get it and um it's it's funny because i'll i'll make a statement like yeah 80 percent of the time this is what i do mm -hmm. the other 20 percent of the time this is what i'll do 
and he'll have the same two moves, but they'll be flipped. And he'll be like, 20% of the time I do this and 80% of the time I do that. And it's just, I think that's what makes it work so well about having two coaches that are, we, we have the same story, but our paths have been, our paths have been the same, but on opposite sides of the scale and uh, literally opposite sides of the scale because coach is like 250. And I'm like, I, I did my entire career at 130 pounds. So um, I'm the biggest I've ever been right now. And I noticed, man, uh, with my size, just 20 pounds has made everything easier. Like so much easier just gaining 20 pounds because now I have the technique that I learned while I was 128 pounds, 130 pounds, and I'm on a 150-pound frame. And that that weight, dude, I'm telling you that that one like me from 140, cause I got a 160 for a week there. One week I was 160 and I was super stoked. I'm like, yeah, boy, it's growing up, finally getting big. Look at me, mom. But uh at that weight, just that small jump, I could tell the advantage that it gave me uh, over everyone, everybody. And it was, it was, it's very weird because you wouldn't think that small amount of weight would have such a huge difference. Because when you start getting to, to like heavyweight and, and, and things like that, you'll see these heavyweight guys like uh, these 220 guys going against these 260 guys. And I'm like, oh, well, they're giving up that same amount of weight too, but it's not the same. Mm. And uh, I realized this. I didn't, I didn't until I gained this weight that I, I, I realized now. Now I realize percentages matter. So how many grown men do we know that could probably grab 130 pounds with one arm and deadlift it or move it? A lot. But how many guys do we know that could grab 250 pounds and deadlift that or move that there's not very many so even though they're giving up that much weight and it's not it's still hard it's still hard to overcome it but even though they're giving up that much weight to put it in perspective a 130 pound guy rolling with a 215 pound guy um you would that's athletic that can move like a 200 pound, like a 170 pound guy or whatever to put it in perspective, that 220 pound guy would have to be going against a 433 pound guy that can pick up and move and move as fast as a 220 pound guy. There's, there's not very many guys on the planet that are that big that can also move in that manner. So for a 230 pound guy to find, someone that's compared to what it would be like for a 130 pound guy to roll. It's very, very rare that they've right. ever felt anything like that. Right. And, um, well, you're, you're welcome helping you get that, get there, gain that weight. Oh yeah. Yeah, dude, <laughs> dude. Thank you. Uh, I've been lifting weights with him and Taylor's been feeding me good. So, uh, I've really worked hard and ate a lot to the point that, uh, I actually ended up giving myself uh hanal, is that how you say that? Hiatal hernia? I don't know. Yeah. That's why I get that's why you guys see me going I'm like cocking my head and swallowing because I have that uh hiatal or hi well, however you say it. I don't know. It's a hernia right here. 
and I'm having a sleeping compression shirt. <laughs> and so if they said that my muscles were strong enough to keep it from uh, coming out, but when I relax at night, it pushes through. It's a hernia. My mind, it jumps. When you talk about your muscles were strong enough, all I thought about was when you were getting checked right here. Like, your muscles are too strong. <laughs> you got to yeah. tell that story. And then we'll circle back because I kind of cut in on Taylor talking about where she's at. Like, continue talking about her injury. And then Watt's been quiet when he let him get in on his injuries. But I want you to tell this story first because that was funny to me. So, uh, I to put it in perspective, guys, I, I actually thought I was dying. Like, um, hiatal hernia, whatever, hiatal, whatever it's called. That was it right there. But uh, still there. Oh. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so I I I was told uh with lupus that without medication and without things like that, that my body was gonna shut down and I wouldn't live to be very old. Right. That's what I was told. Well, here I am. I'm 36. I haven't taken any medicine. I just changed my lifestyle a lot. Uh, I started exercising. I actually opened the gym, done, done a lot of stuff. I didn't tell anybody that I, that I was sick because I didn't want people to look at me like I was a cancer patient. Well, I was training at my coaches, and one of my buddies, Malcolm, was like, uh, uh, he's South African. He's awesome. Uh, but he was like, sit down. And I'm like, no, no, I got a coach class. He's like, sit down. You're really dizzy right now. I was like, yeah, it's been happening really a lot for the last three years. Like, I, I get really dizzy. It's like riding a Gravitron. I'm pretty sure it's vertigo because uh, my sinuses wasn't draining. Like, I, I, my sinuses weren't draining. My, the fluids would build up, rupture my eardrum. So I had chronic sinus infections, chronic uh, eardrum infections. And I just thought it was all because of lupus. Well, uh, he set me down. He took my blood pressure. And my blood pressure was like 270 over 170. And he was like, dude, you're fixing to have an aneurysm or a stroke. Like, you need to go to the emergency room right now. He's like, you, you, need, you need to go. And I was like, no, nah, I get like this all the time. I'm just going to go home and go to sleep. <laughs> so I went home. I went to sleep. I woke up the next day, and my left eye had glazed over. It was like looking through a snow globe. And I couldn't see so I was like, all right, damn it. I got to go. That's the decision. That, that's what had to happen for you to say, okay, I got to go. Well, here's the thing. I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't care about dying. Like, I don't I don't figure it. I don't made that okay. What I didn't want to happen was have an aneurysm or a stroke and have someone taking care of me. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I didn't want to get to where I couldn't wipe my own ass. Right? And then I was like, oh, I'm not going to die right away. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have everybody... Like taking care of me, be nah, a burden. Yeah, and be a burden. So, like, I, I prayed about it. Like, I was like, dude, if just let me die, let me die fast. Don't let me, don't let me be a burden on the people that I care about. Well, my eye glazed over, and I was like, well, shit, I can't continue if I can't see. I'm going blind. So, I went and I, I told uh, the nurse everything that was going on. And they come in and they was like checking my thyroid and all that stuff. And she took her fingers. She was like trying to check my thyroid. So we get choked a lot in BJJ. Like we get, and I do this a lot. I let people take my back and I'll go like that. And it it flares these out. And it's hard to shut that off then because the muscles are kind of protecting, protecting those arteries. And the lady couldn't check me. 
She was like, I've never experienced this before. You're like, you have muscles in your neck. You should have muscles here. And like, uh, like it was just so funny because she was like, well, we're going to have to draw blood and like check everything this way because she couldn't. I, I'm not a doctor. She was, I guess she was trying to check my thyroid uh, gland or something. That's what you told me. Either yeah. way, whatever she was checking. Yeah, she, she couldn't, couldn't check it because the muscles was in the way. <laughs> She she couldn't feel. All she could feel was the muscle. What are you, do, uh, you doing? When she was shaking? No, no. Yeah, that'd been funny. She's sitting there trying to shake me. <laughs> Hitting that that don't choke me look. But I used to in MMA, I used to bite down on my mouthpiece and flare. And if they get your back, like it's still hard to choke. You still get enough blood to your brain to to not get shut off. And um anyway, it was funny. She done that. But to finish the story, she told me to rinse my sinuses out and, uh, like, flush my sinuses. And they put me on, like, a anti-anxiety medicine that would cap my blood pressure to stop. I'm not a doctor, guys, so don't, don't listen to me. I may be messing this all up. I may be making myself look extremely stupid because I am when it comes to medical stuff. But it's supposed to cap my blood pressure, so basically it's not going to lower it. But it's going to stop me from hitting stroke levels. And um, they gave me that. I started using this rinse. And like four days, I used it four days in a row. The fourth day, I had forgot this spray because I was using spray too for my sinuses. And I looked at Taylor and I was like, hey, run to the convenience store and get me something. Man, my sinuses just stopped up and all this pressure behind my eye. feels like my eyes are about to explode. Uh, I was still glazed over, still having the headaches, still dizzy, whatever. She, I don't even know what she got, but she went to the convenience store and got this bottle. It's not a spray. It's like a squeeze bottle that you just squeeze. And I squeezed it into my right nostril, not uh, nostril, <laughs> nostril, my, my right nostril. I squeezed it into there, and when I squeezed it, it went right into my throat. It was the most disgusting taste on earth. I was like, and I'm about to throw up, right? Well, I was like, screw this. I'm not putting it on the other side. And I was like, man, you, you need to just suck it up and get it over with. So I did it on the other side. It didn't go anywhere. It just made the pressure more on the, on the back of my eye. And I was like, okay, so if I do this again, maybe it'll, maybe it'll come out. So I hit it again, and it come out. And it, was, it said, ding, like a piece of bone that had mummified. It looked like a smurf come out of my nose. It was blue. It was, it was a piece of bone that had like... Uh, hardened calcified calcified yes and that's what i was like. it was like a piece of bone that had calcified inside my sinus cavity and it, it come out it hit the sink bang like it made a noise and then this is the most disgusting thing ever but like just not it wasn't snot but it would look like snot but it was goops and goops of goops of green like gel it was nasty and it just poured out of my face. My ear immediately drained. I've been dealing with this for almost three and a half years. I fought my very last MMA fight with this feeling, the dizziness, the everything. Like, it was bad. And this stuff just started draining out of my face. And uh, 
I was like, oh my God, but the, it was immediately a relief. And then the next day, I could see out of my left eye. I'm still seeing floaters, and it's been like four weeks. So I'm still using some type of spray? Yeah, yeah. I'm still seeing floaters. I still have a really bad headache. Um, but my ears drain. I can hear out of my ear for the first time in like three years. Um, like, I feel so, I feel stronger. I don't feel sick. Uh, I'm just dealing with a sinus uh, headache now. So it, it was a blessing anyway. <clears throat> yeah. But um, so that was something that I've been dealing with as a coach. As a competitor, as a whatever, it's like I've been dealing with this this whole time, and I've been quiet about it because I thought I was dying, and then the, I thought it was time when all this stuff happened because it got so bad. I got weak, my joints were hurt and achy. Like I, I thought it was time, and I didn't tell anybody. I was just asking my kids, like, "Hey, come hang out with me, come see me," like because I, I didn't want to make everybody worry. You know what I'm saying? And obviously, I was, I, there's nothing you could do about it. So, And I don't want people looking at me like I was some kind of cancer patient or whatever. So I didn't say anything to anybody. I just was like, oh, well, it's time. Let's spend as much time with everybody that I care about as, as, possible, as possible. And I started focusing on making sure that those relationships and stuff were good because I wanted them to remember a good whatever. But now, I don't think I'm dying anymore. Like, I feel great. So forget these guys. Yeah, yeah, nah, but but I'm still carrying those those same values. Like I'm still spending time. It taught me a valuable lesson, uh, and now I'm like, oh, maybe I can compete again. Like now, maybe I can get rid of this whatever's causing the headaches and the sinuses and get healthy and actually try to make a run in jujitsu or something instead of MMA. Maybe I don't know, but I'm looking forward to see what it what what's what's to come now and um like there's a lot of stuff there's a lot of moving parts like our online university the gym these little comps that we're fixing to do for the gym there's a lot of stuff coming down the pipeline that i'm excited about this year's the year you know awesome uh, so back to taylor what well, you we, were interrupted a little bit right you're so. giving us a rundown of your injuries and then uh talking about you felt there was a certain level you had to live up to being promoted and being the woman here at Tech. Yeah, it was tough. And I remember several times just like crying to Jimmy. And I'm pretty sure I even talked to you about it some, Bam. But it was like, it was discouraging. And I I didn't want to come back, to be honest with you. Because I felt kind of like a failure. Like I wasn't going to live up to what I should live up to. And everyone that I was training with, like you were talking about, was getting better and better. And like you had gotten hurt the same weekend I did. And so we were both on the sidelines together. And then you came back and I was still on the sidelines. And then Zach joined me and then he went back and I was still on the sidelines. But then Jay joined you too, didn't he? He did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so it was just like, I felt like I was in the permanent injury corner and it was the most discouraging feeling I had felt in jiu-jitsu so far. And I was taking my notes and I was writing in my notebook and I was trying to keep up with it and stay up with it. But when I finally got released to train again, I remember looking at Jimmy and I was like, I don't want to. I was like, I'm scared. And he looked at me and said, why? What is there to be scared about? And I said, I just, I don't, you know, I've got this belt. I'm supposed to line up as a blue belt. I don't think that I deserve that right. I need to be back in the back again. And 
And I told him, I said, I need you to work with me on the weekends before I go back. And he did. Like, we've come up here a couple of times to, you know, get me back in the groove of it. But even still, um, oh, man, especially Jay. Even though Jay had to sit out some, man, he is hitting me with the craziest stuff that we've been yeah. doing over the last couple of months. He's so, one of those. Him and then Zach told me, like, Zach, he admitted to be one of the people where they just pick up where they left off. To me, I have to rebuild. And that's what we talked about because I was back, but I wasn't where I felt like I was at when you came back. And we talked about it, and I'm like, just one day at a time. Like, each day will be better than the one before, and eventually you'll meet, you'll get back where you were, mm-hmm. and then surpass it. Well, just I, takes time. I hope that's coming soon because I know I had finally reached a point where I was like, oh, man. Like, I might can do jujitsu. Like, this, this might be working for me because, y'all, that sucked. And I... <laughs> Like, it was bad. Don't fall into the blue belt trap. Well, it was like, I felt like I was just surviving. Dying a little bit, drowning. Yeah. You got it? I okay. think so. But, like, for the first two years of jujitsu for me, I just felt like I was surviving. I was learning how to defend. I was learning how not to die being on bottom. Um, I wasn't submitting anyone. I didn't even know how to get to a submission. I knew what it was. <laughs> I can do it in a roll. If someone asked me, hey, how do you do it? I could do it. But in a roll, I was like, oh, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. But I finally got to a point where I was like, oh, my gosh. I just triangled this person. Or, oh, my gosh. I just hit an arm bar. Like, and I remember getting so excited because I was like, oh, I can finally do it. I was like, like, you hit me with a roll. Like, we rolled into it, and you had a mounted yeah, guillotine. And you're yeah. like, you probably gave it to me. I'm like, no. You legit got that. You got yeah. me. Like, that. it was legit. Yeah, that was like one of my proudest moments. And as soon as I got to where I was like, I'm getting it. I'm making progress. Life's like, nope. <laughs> Sit down. And so it sucked for a while. It still does a little bit, like getting back into it. and But feeling better than you were. Yeah, slowly. Um, it still sucks because I'm still behind the people that I feel like I shouldn't be behind. But... But that, that's the thing is like um, there is no there is no like oh I'm behind these people or I'm behind these people or I'm ahead of these people. It's like something's gonna click and you're gonna catch back up, and they're gonna fall behind. Uh, it it happens like that. Like it was funny. Like my moment. We've talked about it on this podcast before. Was hey dummy, you have two hips. Yeah. <laughs> like um, when I hit that moment in my my time training or whatever when i hit that moment i surpassed so many people people that i was super competitive with that like had these back and forth roles that i was like in my mind you know trying to win training or whatever back then we trained wrong didn't train the right way the proper way or whatever it was just trying to every day you know and uh like when I realized, hey, hey, you have two hips, like you can drop, cut yourself in half, like, because I had spent years with the wrong people coaching me, and then all of a sudden, one day, uh, my buddy tells me, like, you know, you have two hips, right? You can drop one, not both. You don't have to. When, when we say get your hips down, we only mean one, one of them. And uh, when that happened, I went from here with like ten or fifteen people to like, boom! I was just killing everybody i was so far ahead because for like five or six years i had learned how to do everything they was doing without 
putting my cutting myself in half and putting my weight down properly. It was just everything was mobile. It was just mm-hmm. staying ahead of the leg, staying ahead without ever stopping. And then when I realized I could drop one hip and stop people from regarding or stop people from moving, it was like I could do everything that I was doing before and now I can pause. I don't have to be so fast mm-hmm. or so far ahead. And man, I just surpassed everybody overnight. So, and then to hit on this a little bit, the way that we train now and the way that the way that it's evolved into what we do now and stuff, it's, it's really everybody's learning at a, at a weird pace because like, now we're, we're teaching, we're not only teaching you the moves, we're teaching you how to use them in a live flow so that you find yourself in the position to do it so that you can see every aspect of every move. And that's what we've been working towards. And I think you're going to see our school really, really change because of how we've been doing it lately. And then also incorporating like some of the tent planet system and different terms, like all of it just fitting together. And I feel like we're learning so much so fast right now. But talking about your hip story, I use that in kids' class now. It's one of my teaching points. Like, I'll just randomly ask them, like, how many hips you got? Like, <laughs> don't have to, don't drop both. Like, I use it as a teaching point. Mm-hmm. But uh, get back on track with injuries. Why, man, you've been quiet. Like, you want to get in on this? Talk about Yeah, my uh, my story is actually a little bit different from yours. Um, it's kind of like reverse. You know, you talk about how you, you know, you felt better when you gained the weight. I actually felt better when I dropped the weight. Um during the whole, you know, when COVID first started, uh, I got to this point to where, like, I never really – I've always wanted to bulk up. You know, I've always – you know, it's always been one of them things. And every man goes through it. You see these guys with big, strong muscles, and you just like, oh, I want to I be that. I want to look like that. It's just – it's a pride thing, I think, for males. And uh, I'm sure women get it, too. Like, oh, I want skinny waist, big butt, and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, well, I hit this phase to where, like, you know, the, um, this is – uh, post the Douglas gym and I really wasn't doing anything. So I figured, Hey, you know, I'm not doing, you know, BJJ. I'm not doing this and that, you know, let me, let me bulk up. Let me, let me get into the weight room and let me get to the point to where like, Hey, I, I want to grow. And, uh, I went from 170 pounds all the way to 215. And uh, it was the biggest I've ever been in my life. And it got to the point to where like I started from like a traditional bodybuilding lift into more powerlifting. I really want to see how strong I get. And I got into this really heavy weight. And one day I was on a squat uh, squat rack and uh, I had popped something. And uh, I had dropped the weight and I couldn't bend down. I couldn't move. I couldn't do anything. And, and you know, anywhere in the afternoon from five to six, the gym is filled with people. Filled, and it's not just people in general. It's more of like the meatheads and and high school kids and stuff like that so it's always crowded and i just could not walk and i felt so embarrassed because you know people was looking at me and all that so we have this back room now that i have you know force in and i lay down there and i laid for about six seven hours until i finally swallowed my pride and called twilight and said hey come get me and so brandon was actually there and brandon literally parked to the back and carried me out the, to the door well um in my competitive nature i was like I'm doing it again. <laughs> and so I let it heal. And that week, I did not get out of bed not one time. I literally had to use a bottle in bed. I had to crawl to the bathroom. And it took me maybe anywhere 
And this is legit anywhere to three to four hours to take a shower because I was so prideful for not to let anybody help me. And so I would literally crawl from my bed to the tub and force myself to get out. And it took me anywhere three to four hours just to crawl to the tub and get back to bed. And so that was my story for a whole week. And uh, when, when I got healed, um, but long story short, short, I popped the four discs three times in a span of two months. And so, like, I was pretty messed up. And so when I when um, when I decided to open force and everything, um, I decided to, to quit the weights and, you know, drop the weight and, and go back to, you know, how I was. And so um, I started training and I all, would all the things that I would used to do. I couldn't do it. Like I did I didn't feel like I was explosive enough. I didn't feel like I could be that same athlete um like I once was. And then um I would always battle it and it would be it would it led me into depression. I think that's the word I could say because I would have to get out of bed in the morning and I would I would hurt so bad or I could be doing the simplest thing like trying to pick something up and if I bend the wrong way it would it was like it would just pop. And uh, it was the worst thing ever. And I had gotten to this point where it gotten so bad. Um, it, w- it actually, it was a two-week period to I felt good because I had stopped training. And um, I felt good during this two-week period. And actually, I came here one day. It was open mat. And uh, me and Dale was rolling. And I get into, um, I get into this, you know, the Kimura lock a lot, especially from bottom half guard. And, uh, Kind of like uh, that seminar Stephen Aiken, Aiken did that one day when you swing your body out and try to go to the, the back. The pendulum. Yep. Yeah. Well, I was trying to work that on Dale, and uh, he so happened to grab onto his thigh, and I was trying to pop it out. But my back was like more like this instead of being straight. And so when I jerk, jerked this arm out, I felt it pop. And um, I laid down that day for about an hour on the mat. And when I went home, I was like, you know what? I am never competing again in my entire life. Like I'm done. I'm done. I'm done rolling live. I'm done. I'm, I'm so tired of hurting. Like I'm never gonna compete. I'm never gonna put myself in a situation to where it's gonna happen again. And uh, that kind of goes back to, um, you know, the adversity stories that y'all was telling me. Um, everybody sees the back of our shirt has says "Struggle to Develop." It's all over social media. It's all over our shirts and everything. And uh, there's stories of that because I feel like every lesson is taught through adversity. So in your case, you know, you've you've been through all this adversity all your life and now you've gotten to the point to where like, hey, I'm good. Let's see what's next. It's like turning that chapter. And so maybe you was put through all of that now just to build your empire. You know, now you're able to, even though it took so long for me, I had to go through all of that to get to the mindset I have now to where like I can be a better human being because the way I was is like my mindset, like especially with competing, I would, I would, I would always say, I would always say I was going to do something, but never follow through or, or different things like that. And then when I went through what I went through and it really opened and it really changed my mindset to say, Hey, you know, like I can do these things. It, I, I guess it's more of a belief because I had to work my butt through that adversity, and I, and and I had to work through through those injuries, and I really had to start taking proper care of my body. So like, I would always I, I always been this athlete, this and that, but I wasn't, and that was major things. I never followed through 
with the minor details like, hey, you got to eat clean. Hey, yoga, you know, hey, this, that. You got to do ice bath. I mean, not ice bath, but, you know, Epsom salt baths, applying ice. Simplest things that people take advantage of. Ice baths are good, too, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And uh, I just, I never did those type things. And now that I do it, you know, those things that I have to be disciplined with, it allows me to be disciplined in my other day life now that, now that I'm disciplined with those things, which those things are always constant. It's not like you're doing it one time a day and stopping. You're doing it five, 10, 15 times a day. And it's, and it's making you disciplined throughout the entire day, portion of the day, rather than being disciplined in the mornings and then slacking off at night. You have to be disciplined from morning all the way down to you go to sleep. And uh, it's allowing, that's allowing me to be more disciplined, like within my relationship and stuff like that. Now, when, I, when she tells me to take out trash, guess what? I take out the trash. You know, I'm not lingering around two weeks and letting maggots and stuff like that yeah. in trash and stuff like that. And uh, it's just, it's allowed me to clear my mindset and, and to uh, put more belief in myself than what I used to have. And so I guess I could say that's my story now. It's going through the their injuries and, and having that model of struggling to develop. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, uh, especially about the back injury. Like, my back injury was in 2012, and it, it took me out for six months, which <clears throat> even when I broke my collarbone, when I dislocated my shoulder, um, like when I broke my hand, when I broke one of my fingers, all of those things, like I, I never took a break. Well, that, that's the thing. Off. You actually helped me out a lot because even though you have an injury, that doesn't necessarily mean that's a bad thing. So when I hurt my when I came in, you know, I've always stood up. I was never sitting down on my butt, never playing guard. So when I hurt my knee that one time, I was forced to sit down and play guard. I was forced to do different things I'm not usually doing. And it forced me to get good at those things. Well, I told you from day one when you come in, like uh, we did, we we started standing. And you did the typical wrestler thing, try to dive in on a single, dive in on a double, and you just got choked a lot. <laughs> and then yeah. I'm like, all right, but keep your head up, make these minor adjustments. You're going to be a force to reckon with. Six weeks later, I'm like, okay, you're not allowed to stand up anymore. You're not allowed to be on top. If you get to sweep, I want you to roll back to your back, get to sweep again. Yep. I want you to play from your butt. I want you to play from your back. If you can learn to play from your back and get there, no one no one is going to be able to do a whole lot with you. Yeah. They're going to yeah. have to be top-level guys, and I knew that. i seen that in you. That, that kind of reverts me back to this weekend to where, like, and honestly, I never thought I could win, you know, absolute advanced division or even remotely going against a high-ranked guy without wrestling. And so this weekend when I did beat the dude 20 nothing, I never scored a takedown, never throughout the match. And I never thought in my days that I would ever – like that would ever be possible for me. I would. I always thought until you know I get to the brown or black belt level that I would have to use a lot of wrestling to rack up a lot of points. But you know, going back to working with you on Tuesdays and Thursdays and just battling my beliefs, saying, "Hey, I have the ability or whatever. I have the confidence now to say, hey, 'Hey, I'm a grappler, not a wrestler.' And so I can use jujitsu to win matches. I don't have to wrestle people and." That was always the thing. I didn't want to be known as a wrestler. I want to be known as a grappler. Heck, yeah. And yeah, it's pretty cool to watch, uh, period. I've watched you struggle mentally with the confidence and with to with doing it. Yeah. 
with pulling the trigger and doing it and seeing that and knowing like knowing how hard it is to pull that trigger sometimes like it was very hard for me to just do jiu-jitsu matches because like now everybody has this belief in me like hey you're the owner of a school you're you know you're some competitor you're this and that and then trying to go to do to from MMA to jiu-jitsu and I've never done jiu-jitsu matches I'm like man well you know what are these people going to think what are they going to say how are they going to act and all this stuff and you struggle with that part of it and you you know you know yourself better than anybody and that's what today's podcast I think is about is like injury um yeah, like you went into this weekend uh, up there at the tournament with a hurt shoulder yeah. from training where you like did a roll. Nobody knew that but me and you. Like nobody else knew that. Maybe some guys on your team. Yeah. But none of those guys knew that they didn't even get the best why and you still yeah. won. Like your shoulder was your shoulder, I'm pretty sure is dislocated. And um I'm pretty sure it's dislocated. I'm not a doctor, but when you go this week, we'll know whether or not your shoulder was dislocated. But I've been around this a long time. I'm pretty sure that you have a, your, your shoulders. Okay. And, and, that, and that goes right back to it. It's like it wasn't like I wanted to play jiu-jitsu um, in this weekend. It was more or less like, okay, I have to this weekend because one, one, one of the things I'm really known for is my outside single. Well, in order to do that, you need every, you know, of every ability inside your shoulder to really swing your arm out, really pull that leg in or whatnot. And so I really couldn't even lift my shoulder over my head the entire day. And uh, much less, you know, I, I did take medicine or whatever to help me get through the pain that day or yesterday. And so I knew going into my match, I wouldn't be able to take a shot or I wouldn't be able to go for directly for a takedown um, like like I should. And so when he pulled guard, it really forced me to to – play jiu-jitsu in, 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 in a way to where, like, I have to battle everything that I'm a kryptonite to. So as a wrestler, reaching your arms out, keeping your head down, you know, things like that that people would capitalize on a wrestler. I had to be really disciplined saying, hey, elbows in, don't extend your arms out because if I did, you know, my shoulder, it would hurt very, very bad. There was a time and point in the match to where, like, you can visually, visually see in the match when we're in neutral that I pull my arm down because he pulls it, like, go for an arm drag. And it just felt like fire just went through my entire shoulder and up to my neck. And I knew that I wasn't able to wrestle. And so when I went through the match, the way that it did, the way that it played out, you know, once again, it went back to my belief, hey, I can do it, you know. Like, hey, it's, it's possible for me to grapple with these guys and stuff like that. So and That's another thing that he did, though, is like you went out there and went to the best. Yeah, You went to yeah. the elite of the tournament. And – um like you've only been you've only been in jiu-jitsu for like three years yeah it's three years um technically two and a half because i took that uh six month break when i went to start a personal training yeah i was gonna say like it goes right along with what you said about forced to uh play guard sit guard because injury getting these injuries depending on how you're injured where you're injured how bad it is you're forced to like look at other parts of your game and develop that you don't have to quit training you can look at other areas like when i hurt my shoulder and like this elbow now like i can't like i still do the weights because i feel like it helps me and that's how i got started on my fitness journey i can't hold the dumbbells like this i have to hold hammer grip just because holding it wide aggravates my elbow right now and i know like when taylor got cleared she was only like light rolling like drilling 
like easing back in. There's things you can do, like stretching and yoga. You got really big in yoga when you were injured. That uh, you can still train and train your mind, train your body. Uh, you're just forced to do it a different way. Yeah, I noticed that. Uh, I noticed watching all of you guys trade places in the corner over there, in the injury corner, or whatever. That <clears throat> y'all, you guys may not realize it, but the motivation that you guys kept, y'all kept the same schedule, y'all kept the, the y'all kept showing up the same time, same thing. So even though you were sitting on the sidelines, it kept you honest and kept you in the gym. Whereas I feel like if you guys would have taken time off and yes. not been here, would it would have been really hard to show up and get that schedule right. going, you know? And, and it's a whole different feeling to where, like, you know what, I need a couple of days, I'm going on vacation, to where you voluntarily take a couple of days to when you're forced to take time off. It's completely different. Like when you're forced, it is miserable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you you made a good point while ago to where you said you felt like you had to rebuild after after every one of your injuries. I'm I'm I was I've always been a complete opposite. I was kind of with Jay and Zach. I felt like I hey, I was right there. And and when when you're going injured when you're injured like that, I think that's a good uh, teaching lesson to see where you where you are as far as like how you're treating your reps. So like. You know, we always say 10,000 reps, you know, in order mm -hmm. if we're going to do truck series where you have to drill it 10,000 times in order uh, for your muscle and your body to take over muscle memory. And, right. and you're, uh, you're not even thinking about it. Your body's just reacting for you to do it. Yes. And so when you're when you're forced to take that time off, when you come back, you know, anytime that you put your body under stress, your body is always going to resort back to what you taught it to do. So if you taught it to do back technique, well... When someone puts you in a position you don't want to be in a competition, your body's going to do whatever you taught it. Your body's going to whether whatever it is. And so if you if you knew that you wasn't like journaling stuff or whatever too good, when you come back, you know, it, it's your body your body is going to drill it to where whatever uh, you've taught it before you got injured. Yeah. And so it allows you to like see where you are. As far as like your mental side, it makes sense. Yeah. It makes a lot it of does. sense. Yeah, and like going back uh, to you saying, you know, how you relied on your wrestling, and if you moved, it felt like firing your shoulder. I remember because right before I got hurt, I was working a lot on like triangles, working from my back, using my legs. Well, I started back training and. By habit, you know, just something that I had been working on. I triangled one of our bigger guys, and I didn't think anything of it because I was being very picky on who I rolled with. And I don't know, I, I don't know if he was just having a rough day or what happened, but that day, like he was just not having it, and he exploded out of the triangle and he ran around beside me, and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" And I ended up getting really sore in my back again, and that was when I was like, "Oh man!" Like. I'm not going to be able to do this. I have to let go of my triangles. Or if I get there and they start escaping, like ditch the effort and go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. You have to think about it now. You can't just say, oh, I'm in a triangle. You have to say, oh, mm -hmm. man, I'm getting stacked. I need to let go. Yeah. That's one thing I'm having issues with right now, like getting stacked, is uh, try to cut a corner, get their leg, you know, get them back down. Mm -hmm. And if they roll, you know, roll them out. But some of the – bigger guys we have in the gym, I'm not able to cut that corner yeah. yet. Yeah. So, and I, 
I'd bail and dive on a leg or go to something else mm-hmm. because it's not good getting fo- your neck folded up like that. Yeah. Like it hurts. Stuff <laughs> like that. It, it shows you like how how like high high of a level you you are as far as like a grappler is because you like those who started versus those who's been in it for a long time. You know, um, it's things may seem seem like slow to you, and things may may seem like fast to you. So someone who's who's first started. And first coming into it, everything seems fast to them. They can't process what's going on and this and that. Someone like, uh, I'll take yourself. You've been in for 20 years. started this year. Everything could seem like a snail to you. Everything is so smooth. You can think and process. Even in bad positions, you can you can focus in on what you're doing. And so um, I'm, trying, I'm trying to figure out how, how I can piece this together. Um it's like, you know, you're playing quarterback in a, in a football field, and they always say you got to see the field slowly. You know, you got to let the play develop and everything. And if it's fast to you, you'll make a mistake. You know, if for those who plays it a, a, a while, it seems to start getting slow, and your decision-making starts getting better. And so, like, I've been watching the PGF, and all of those guys, you know, a lot of times when you're in a, when you're in a high-stake role, you know, you're doing things at a fast, fast pace, and you're doing things, and your decision making is pop, 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 pop. And you see these guys, and it's so slow. It yeah. looks, it looks like nothing's really happening. You know, um, for example, I see Sam get into the reverse scarf a the lot, twister side, yeah. And it looks like you, from your point of view, be like, why aren't you just shrimping? Why aren't you doing this and that? And then if you're the guy in the position, you'll be like, okay. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. So, it's it's like not that, that easy, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just simple things like that, you know, that sep- that really separates. And you know, you going back to you saying, "Okay, I'm getting stacked the triangle." Well, in a high level position, you'll be like, "Okay, it's fine." Yeah. Well, what's next? Well, I think you know? some of that too is I don't specifically know with Taylor, especially going back with your back, maybe, but me. Some of the bigger guys, they're newer, and I just know getting that position, if they got too excited and, like, spazzed out or anything, and they dropped their weight on me, I'm really going to be hurt. So it's me protecting myself, too. Like, instead of fighting through it or trying to dump him on his head or anything like that, I I have no pride, no ego. I'm just, I don't want you breaking my neck or me making you face plant off the mat on the cement. I'll let go. Let's move on to something else, you know? Like, I'm not going to fight for this. It's not a competition. That's or training. Probably, that's probably my downfall as yeah. far as, like, because, you know, I grew up as a wrestler, so it's that gritty mentality. So when we when I do have guys, like, in there that's like that and he's trying to hurt, I'll be like, okay, let's go. Yeah. Well, see, there's a certain time, like, there's a certain time, like, with a new person, usually it's uh, me or Coach Jimmy, like, to see how they roll and test them out and make sure they're not going to hurt one of our other guys. And we can slow them down. Yeah. But also, you get someone that they're not bad or looking to hurt someone. They just don't know yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you have to protect yourself yeah. while still giving them a role and teaching them. Yeah. And and that's that's funny to say because you know they they come in and they think it's all about right. Yes. And this and that yeah. And this. You know, even if you look at BJJ, you're, you're if, if you're new, you know, especially if you're a meathead, you're you're thinking like. Though they're using every strength they have and everything and this and that, but you're really not. You know what I'm saying? It's, we always say it's, it's never about strength. And so when, when you do get those guys, 
You know, it's hard to, to teach them and tell them, hey, slow it down, don't use strength, this and that, when that's what they think it is. Mm-hmm. And so how do you teach somebody who who's already like 100% thinking about, hey, I'm going to go rip their head off? Like, how do you teach them? How do you how, how do you give them the belief to say, hey, I can slow it down and not use my strength and all that? Like, I'll say, I'll say for you, like, when you first started, how, how did you, like, how did your role play as far as like, okay, now I have the sense to believe I can slow things down and not use strength and this and that. How do you transfer from an average human being to a successful BJJ guy? Well, for me, it just took a while because <clears throat> I was, I was, uh, I, I wanted to win. Well, you did talk about to where like you, you didn't start with the right crowd because I know the crowd that you started with. I know some of those guys, I know how they are now too. And some <laughs> of them big old guys and I trained with these guys today and I know how they are. And so, like, what did that play a factor for you as well? So, for I think that that it was a double edged sword for me personally because I had to go in there with my like I had to make sure I was safe. Yeah, like I had to make sure I was safe because those guys were coming in to win, yeah. and everybody in MMA and everybody doing BJJ for MMA, MMA still there's still a lot of gyms with that mentality. Yeah. Still, yeah. are you still find them? Yep. And uh, like I'm dude, like, dude, that is not the way. I wish I could go back and tell past me, like, hey, dude, run, run, like the as good a shape that I was physically and all. I would have ruled the UFC, no doubt. And I, I, I say that very, very humbly, or whatever you want to call it, but. If I would have had the right people around me in the right gym with the skills that I brought when I first walked into a gym, I would have I would have ruled the 125-pound division. For sure. I feel that way wholeheartedly. But because it played out the way it did, I'm grateful in a way because, you know, I spent five years, four years, uh, really eight years, two different gyms. Three, if you count one of them, but mostly two, where those guys was just in there. The the next closest person to my size was 190 pounds, and they were steroided out of their mind in my in one of my gyms. And those guys were trying to be MMA fighters, and they thought winning training was the way. I can't tell you how many times that I know for a fact I left with a concussion. I can't tell you how many times I had a 200-pound guy slam the shit out of me and land with all of their weight on my back, on my hips, on my legs, on my side, on my ribs, on my neck. Like, can't tell you how many days that I would walk outside, sit in the passenger in the driver's seat of my truck, and go to sleep for two or three hours before I drove home. So you had to you had to develop this kind of like the way you think now, as far as like- yeah. So it wasn't like taught to you. You had to develop yourself. Yeah. Like, and that, that's what I'm saying is like, um, I had to learn how to get up without someone properly teaching me how to get up. I didn't have anybody telling me what a shrimp was. I had been training for almost eight years before I went into a school that was legit enough to teach me how to shrimp. Like, cause there's, there was nowhere to train around here. Like literally, um, it was eight years of training um, before I, I knew what a shrimp was. I just knew that this was the movement 
that I was making to get up. Like I, I just I was using hips and relying on you know wiggling my way into certain places and getting my knees in and and then you when I started coaching like years later I had already been with some legit schools and things like that. Um, I realized that all the stuff that I learned before, when I realized that when I learned the proper way, the small movements and learned what they were called, it was really, really easy to make that transition. But it was really, really hard to unlearn some of the habits that I created that weren't right to get up. And that's why I was making that joke earlier. It was like one of my coaches was like, why are you doing that? And I'm like, oh, well, that works for you. So I'm not going to tell you it's wrong. But most people never go that way. Most people never do that. But you figured out a way to make that shit work. Yeah. So it works. And um, like, hey, that's cool. But that's not the right way. But it's not wrong. But it's not right. Yeah. You know? Is it something you've taught us? Yeah. I've taught you guys some of the, like, some of the escapes and stuff that I do. I, I teach you guys a lot of the stuff that I do. And then I give you, like, hey... This is this is what we do, but and this is what I do, but you got to watch out for this yeah. or you got to watch out for that because now I know a yeah. lot of it, you know. Well, let me ask you this because and this is a personal question, you know, especially between you and I that uh I've always wanted to ask you. You know, you you got this this system in place as as far as the way you coach, the way you do things, and and this and that. I know that you know you kind of passed it all down to me as far as like when I was your. Uh, coach and you was helping me become a coach and this and that how do you feel like you know the the way you know i want to say was 2008 that you started here in eastman no not 2012 that you started in here um you know the way that the bjj scene was the mma scene and that you know it's all grindy this and that and it wasn't like it wasn't growing because nobody would want to be a part of that like when if, if you took Bam Bam back in 2010, the way MMA and everything was, you probably wouldn't have joined it because oh, you would. He told me some of the stories. Yeah, and you wouldn't want to like, die. Yeah, I definitely know? wouldn't. And so, like when you coming along and then you changing some of that, you know, it's like it's okay to be a good, half decent human being. Yeah. And being into mixed martial arts and stuff like that, and and just you know the environment, and everything, the culture that's being built, right? So when you pass it down to me, you know. Now, now you're taking it to 10th Planet Perry, and now they're getting that culture. Eastman's getting that culture, has that culture. Now Douglas is getting that culture and having that culture. Now I'm taking it to Sean's gym. Now we're building that culture there. And so it's spreading. So have you thought of that? Like, you, have you thought about, like, hey, this is spreading. Like, I'm doing, like, you know, because I kept keep looking over there on your board. You know, you have the list. For those who can't see it, you know, it's one through ten of of Jimmy's goals. And number ten, it says build an empire. Well, you're building it, but maybe you're not seeing it. And it's, it don't necessarily have to be on your team. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I never thought about it like that. I just know that the way that I come up was real greedy and grindy. And a lot of people got run off and got turned off by jiu-jitsu and turned off by even MMA. Because um, it's just this hard-nosed and whatever. I wish, I wish that I knew what I knew now right when I even opened my school. I actually opened this school here in 2015. Um, 
that's when this school opened was 2015. I had it from in 2014. I didn't open it to the public until 2015. But um, like uh, we had other school, we had other things going on around here and stuff, but never official school until 2015. But um, the grind and the greediness, I know even when I opened my school in 2015, I was still grindy. I still had this mentality of maybe trying to prove myself that I was worth, you know, I was like, let me beat this person up and show them how good I am so that they'll want to train with me. And it was funny because when I opened to the public in 2015, I said, I don't want to be a school that way. Like, I don't want to be that school. So I was slowly changing then. But you had guys in there that was like that. Oh, yeah. And I had to, I, it was funny because uh, TJ and I had this talk. Uh, when guys would come in, I would be a soft roll. I would be easy roll. And sometimes they would submit me. And uh, the first time TJ and I ever rolled, he submitted me with a triangle. And he said, you know, he had this idea like, oh, I submitted Jimmy. Very first time we ever rolled. And this is like 2010, maybe? 2011, maybe? I'm not sure. Maybe. Anyway, anyway, the first time we rolled, I allowed, he got to the position, he triangled me. I allowed it to happen. You know what I'm saying? And um, we rolled again, same thing, triangled me. And I like, a few weeks went by, and then we had some other guys in there that were being mean. They weren't, they didn't have a good attitude like TJ. And they were being mean. This was before I opened my school. And I smashed them. Like, I just put the hammer down, whatever you want to call it, and I smashed them. And TJ looked at me, and he was like, okay, you know, like, oh, I get it. You know what I mean? Well, fast forward uh, a couple of years later, I'm opening my schools, and I'm rolling us off with guys that have good attitudes, and they're catching me and stuff. And TJ tells me, he's like, dude, don't, don't let people submit you. And um, I said, Why? It doesn't matter. It's just a tap. Like, who cares? He's like, people are going around and they're saying like, oh, well, you suck. I submitted the coach, the head coach there. And like, that's the, the reputation that you're building in this small town is, oh, he's easy to submit. Why do I want to learn from him? Because I can tap him out. And for about a year there, that wound me back from what I was trying to do. Because I was like, no, nah, these guys ain't going to walk around and say that they can beat me. So I went back when people would come through the door. I would smash the shit out of them and then be like, you, you want to learn this? <laughs> you want to learn how to do that? And I wish that I could go back in time 10 years ago and teach people and like there's another way. You don't have to destroy everybody. You don't have to let people submit you either. But you, there's a way to do it. And I think that we're doing it. I know that we're the cultures and the way that we're building things. I know for a fact I've never been a part of another school that trains the way that we train or the, that cares about the way that we do or looks at it the way we do. And now I'm seeing that culture at Stevens and I'm seeing it at yours too. Like, and it's funny because like other guys, other people gym, when they come to us, they're like, oh, wow. Like, this is different, and uh, you guys are doing something different. Yeah, without that, a lot of my guys is actually bragging on this weekend because, you know, 
um, uh, my guys have the best of both worlds from from Tech Center and from Sean's gym. And so, like, it felt like to them, and they even came to me and tell me that they felt like they had three coaches there, you know, Jimmy, me, and, you, and Sean. And so, like, all and there was a point in time to where all three of us was right there and actually uh, coaching one of my blue belts, Seth. And uh, he said that was a very cool experience for him because that you have three different guys who is technically in th- almost in three different generations, whatever, building the same culture. They're coaching him and teaching him and stuff like that. So I think I thought I thought about that this morning. I thought that was really really cool when he told me that. Yeah, that that's that's really cool, dude. And it's it's really cool that that through what we're doing and what we're building, like it's it's really cool to see jujitsu making this this I guess this change to where like yeah, it is hard, but at the same time, I don't when I was coming in, you just had to be tough or you weren't gonna make it. Yeah. You just had to be mentally tough, or you're just gonna get just destroyed. And I want I wanted to do something different. Uh to bring Bam Bam into this and I'm not trying to I'm not trying to put his personal business out there or whatever, but I know for a fact that if we would have been the way that we were before, Bam Bam would have come in and he would have left. Like he would not have turned into the monster that he is now. I agree. And yeah. I think uh this culture that you develop, you've done it through trial and error the hard way, just like you did through jujitsu, where you find the moves that work that are legitimate and you teach us those moves. So the same thing with the culture and running your school, like there was a learning curve when you first opened it. And you've narrowed it down now and you have this core group of guys that you pass it on to. Well, not, not only that, but I think especially like for some uh, average person or someone yourself, you know, um, I think most guys, you know, back in the past, to start BJJ or MMA, you, you know, you're anywhere around 22 and up and you have to be very greedy and very mean to stay with it. And now, like the culture that we're building, you know, it's more more tent of like a environment, uh, family environment to where like you can, instead of like beating up each other every day and going home and some people drinking and some, you know, you're not even talking to each other. You're just waiting to kick their ass the next day. Now we're going eating. We're getting to know each other's family. Like, you know, like. Oh, yeah. It's a legitimate you know, family. And so people, it's like addiction. People want that because not, not everybody has that family. Not everybody has that uh, that happiness in their life. And. For legit, like I know a lot of people, especially at my gym, especially the kids, like they wake up in the morning ready to see Coach Wyatt. Like they wake up in the morning ready to see their friend at the gym. Like I have it to the point to where like I have multiple kids who's always spending a night with each other and this and that. So not necessarily are they coming for BJJ, but they're coming for that. And so the more they enjoy that, the more they're wanting to enjoy BJJ and learn. Rather than having their ass kid and come home, that's and they don't want to learn. They want to go home and soak in the hot bath or something like that. Mm-hmm. They want to come and be with their friends and show them how good they got out of triangle. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And it, I think that that's the exact like you're you're building a you're building a culture and BJJ is a after uh, a side effect of it or yeah. an afterthought. It's like you built a huge culture. And they get to do BJJ, which is what I've been preaching for the last four years. Like for the last four years, I'm like, no, 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 we don't have to. We don't have to beat each other up. We don't have to hurt each other. Like we can have a fun. We can play the game 
And uh, that's what Steven calls it, playing the game. Yeah. <laughs> we can play the game and flow and, and like, play and just roll and do whatever. And, hey, if I get called on something, I can tap or whatever. I don't have to hammer them down, hammer them down, and beat them to a pulp and show them what I'm capable yeah, of. So, so that tap isn't like, oh, now I have to beat your ass. That tap could be like, hey – Hey, you got me. Let's yeah. do it again. Yeah. I do that with Jay all the time. I'll catch him in something, and i like, I know. I got this. Because he's very hard to submit. Oh, I got you now. And I got you now. Yeah. And then he does something like, I'll, I'll call, like, like in the middle of the roll, he's flipping it on me. I'm like, this is bullshit. Like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> like, what? what was that, Jay? And I, I tap, like, all right, let's do this again. <laughs> and the reason I, you were looking at me when you were telling about the game like, I was laughing. It's because we get these sayings in the gym. Like, me and Taylor had this saying, like, we'll try on something that we learned. And they're like, he's not playing the game right. Because they didn't move the way you want them to move for you to try something, you know? Yeah. Like, if he moves this way, I'm going to try this. But he don't move that way. Yeah. So I'm like, he ain't playing the game. <laughs> Someone rolled me that's going to play the game with me. And then that, that goes back to the biggest thing I think everybody has to learn, especially in MMA or BJJ, is, you know, ego. And so, while ago, when y'all was talking about, you know, having to come in and actually like sit down and have those mental reps and people don't understand that mental mm -hmm. reps are just as big as physical reps you know mm -hmm. actually coming in on a notebook bat pad okay coach Jimmy said put arm in here whatever mm -hmm. now when your back feels better okay look my notes okay I got okay you told me to do this oh okay okay do some, do this mm -hmm. and that you know it's that that ego factor um and I and I think those who figured the ego factor out are those who are becoming more successful not even bjj but in everyday life. in life i will say this and this this tied into something that would that it, i i find it hard to balance i find it so hard to balance old jimmy new jimmy yep uh so old jimmy has all of his old ways where i revert back to no nah, you ain't gonna run me i got that dog in me whatever like uh i, I, I see that uh steven was talking about that the other day or whatever, um, one of his things was Brandon or somebody. Anyway, they're talking about I got that in me, that fighter in me, right? And I have to battle that fighter inside of me on this gym, in this gym, on these mats. I have to battle that, and I have to know when to put him up and become the philosopher and become the, the okay, I'm in here to learn. I'm in here to try to get these mental reps or get these reps to where I'm not just kill, kill, kill. But I need that fighter to stay inside there. I don't need to kill that fighter because when it comes time to competition, I need to let that guy out. And now I don't need to care about these guys' feet, arms, necks. I don't need to care about them anymore. And it's hard to balance that because you go too far one way, you lose that fighter. You go too far the other way, you run people off. They will never find the joy of BJJ. Yeah, yeah. and and that that's that's another reason why BJJ and everything has helped me so much because that goes back to what I was saying about you know the PGF and all that slowing things down. Is you know when you get into a position and and especially on let's say especially if I know I can get a triangle on you and for some reason it ain't working, I could sit there and say and force it and just get mad. It's going to happen. Rather than letting it go and being patient, I say I can move on to something else. And that's, then asking after yeah. the roll, like, "Hey, what what did you feel during that triangle?" With, like, with what? The, well, for me, I'm, I translate that into life a lot because, like, now, like, 
if I make a, a pot of coffee, right, and it ain't the way I like it, instead of grabbing it and throwing it upside the wall, I'm like, okay, let's make a new batch. You know, let's make some more coffee. You know, I don't so. think I've ever thrown coffee against the wall. Just saying. No, just for example. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gonna be honest with you. I I have that that. That same I mindset. Too. I, I have too. now. I like to cook. I have like cooked something. I'm like, okay, this didn't turn out right, and I just chunked it yep. out of the yard. Yep. Like, oh. you get mad, and it ruins your day. <laughs> yeah, something so simple. Like, uh, I'm trying to find something. Uh, if if something, if let's I have a routine in the mornings, right? If I follow through with that routine, my day is good. I'm a happy person. I'm a good dad. I'm I'm this and that. If something happens to where my routine is messed up or, or something that don't go away yes it ruins me for the rest of the day yes it ruins my, my the way i teach in class it ruins the way that i i get priscilla off the bus it it yeah. just ruins me and like it, people think and i know like people think, oh you're a bad dude it's not that yeah. it's like it, that's that's a mental battle and i think not only myself that i go through but everybody yeah. well see i gotta have, i'm very regimented schedule routines like used to be like before I got into training and jiu-jitsu, spontaneous, hey, let's go somewhere this weekend. I'm there. Let's go. Yeah. Now, you throw me a curveball like the night before? Yeah, man. Hold on. Like, hey, yeah, that nah, ain't I need, I need a plan. Like, wait, no. Nah. But I want to circle back. Like, uh, you're talking about the kids. It's a culture, like, spending out with each other. And you're talking about uh, old Jimmy, new Jimmy, the dog in you. Uh, we have that culture, too, with our kids. Like you said, we got some of their best friends who spend out with each other. They hang out. They know who they like to train with. Yep. Like that's my, that's my yep. buddy. Yep. I think. And I was gonna say, I think yesterday, like it, it should be like that. Like they should have fun. We're teaching them a skill that's gonna help them defend themselves. They don't have to have aspirations to be a world champion or to be a competitor, but some do. They do want to get better and be that competitor. Yep. And I think yesterday you're talking about that switch. Some of them learn there's levels and that there's a switch that they have to flip, and and we'll talk with them about that this week. But just combining both of y'all's thoughts, I think some of our kids learned that yesterday. Yeah, it was it was kind of what Wyatt was saying, though, is like his culture is that way because he coached here for a while. And we we literally was take we were planning on taking Wyatt and helping him get the school in Douglas. And it didn't work out exactly the way we planned it to work out, but it still kind of worked out the way it needed to work but, out. But right. it's the same thing, struggles to develop. It didn't work. It, it, it failed, you know, in a bad way, but it brought something new. Not the way that we expected and, and probably not the way that we wanted it to, but it still worked. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I think that a lot of that is because of martial arts as a whole. It teaches you not to not to give up because the only way that you lose, period, is to quit trying, is to quit. And um, I think that that's r the reason that I got out of the environment that I grew up in. I think that that's the reason that I got out of the environment that I put placed myself in later on. I think that the I, by sheer will, this school is here, yes. like and but now it's turned into something else that I, I never expected, and it's influencing the the middle Georgia, South Georgia scene. And I'm like, I cannot wait to see five years from now, like how this is. There's some killers in Middle Georgia. There, there yeah. is some people, and we're we're influencing the culture and how people train and how they change as a whole. And that's why people are driving two and a half hours to be here at this school. That's why you know why it's getting up Tuesdays and Thursdays and driving an hour and twenty minutes to be here. That and that's why like why the the schools are are 
we're changing the way BJJ is taught. Really? And uh, I... My bad. Even, even with these killers, you know, the, the way you just mentioned, you know, everybody thinks these guys are grinding and killing each other. But some are, and, and some are. Like, I, I think for, for me, you know, I, I'm trying to trying to find my way into that in that group, and I want to be considered into that group as far as being one of the best competitors around. And, you know, having that mindset, the culture we're trying to build, it's like you don't have to be that way. You can you – can, it's okay to be a good human being or this and that. You know? Yeah, and I think I think what you're saying about being a good human being is you don't have to come in and, and try to wreck your yeah. training partners. You don't have to be like, I'm going to be there. Out. You don't have to have that gritty mindset. I was talking to one of our students about that. They come from another school, and they was just like banging everybody up. And I was like, God dang, like, um, I don't want to compete every day in the gym. I want to I want to roll. I want to get better every day. I don't want to go home sore and hurt and banged up every single night. That's not the way. It's just not. Um, it's funny. Uh, we, we, we've been referring to Coach a lot, Coach Steven a lot. But he went into this PGF and had not trained with anyone but us in the gym. Yeah. Just us. His white belts, me. Um, uh, like I, I, I didn't even really roll with him a whole lot. So he, not even really me. I think I rolled with him like two days, like for a little while, the whole time. And then like here and there sporadically, he trained with nothing but white belts. And then he come in there and he is putting in work and he didn't even have like a, like a, what you traditionally would call a camp or anything. Yep. So that proves that what we're doing works and, and I, I, I didn't mean to cut you off but i think this the same way that that's why i was having such a hard time dealing with my confidence and everything because you know when you go into these absolutes and events tournaments it's nothing but brown and black and these guys are killers and so like i'm it's not like every day that i have a jimmy barnett in my gym it's not every day that i have a sean in my gym it's not every day that i have a black belt or something to push me in my gym i'm once again it's white blue belts and it's guys that i know that i could Tap in ten seconds if I truly want them to. It's not like they can. It's not like they can force me into a bad position if I if I truly did not want them to. Whatever. Right. And rather than now, I'm going to these competitions and it's switched. Now these guys can force me in a bad position if I slip up. And so like it, the culture, you know, it, it beats that. It's starting to beat that because like now that you can take someone who's not even on your level. And do things with them to force your own self better. Like you can give them your back and do certain things and, and this and that. You don't have to just, you know, train yourself to be a killer to, in order to go and be a killer. You can let your guys be killers while you be the nail and force yourself to even like prepare yourself for those killers in a weird way. I was say I was I Taylor vouch for that. I I was literally talking about like the EBI rules and stuff about like if you're the best one in the gym, no one's taking you back if you don't want them to. And if we if we go to EBI rules and no one has taken my back because I come in the gym every day trying to destroy everybody, and there's maybe one or two people that are good enough to maybe take my back, but I don't let them. How many times did I practice getting that person on, or someone off my back? Yeah. But if I come in there and there's 10 people on the mat, 30 people on the mat, like, and I let every one of them take my back three or four times in a row, how many times did I practice getting someone off my back? Yeah. 
And uh, that's what makes our culture so awesome. It's like people know what's up. They know that we're just training. We're training partners. What did you say? Well, to tie that in um, with, like, injuries and everything, I've been doing a lot of training with other women from other gyms. And recently I have became super thankful for our gym and for our culture because this is where I started. This is what I know. And these women are just like, oh, my gosh, this 180 – Pound man just ripped my shoulder out of its socket. Like, I can't put myself in a bad situation with so-and-so. And, like, they have a really tough time with the men in their gym because they're just rough and they're strong and they're heavy and they're hurting them. And um, I went to an open mat last weekend, and some of the ladies were talking about it there. And I was like, well, guys, I'm sorry. Like, I can't add to this conversation because everyone that I train with here, like they let me work on something different. Like, bam, bam, I've been working like legs and trying to do leg lock entries. And I was trying so hard the other day to get a friggin' 411 entry. And I was trying and trying. And Jimmy was like, all right, change partners. And he's like, no, she's almost got it. Like he, he lets me work things. And Jay and I, we just go back and forth. And like, we have a culture where I can roll with the big people. I can train with the big people and not have to worry about getting hurt. And I kind of feel a little spoiled yeah. in I, that aspect. I love that. And that's why I always recommend, especially someone new who's looking to get into my program, stuff mm-hmm. like that. It's like BJJ, BJJ, BJJ. Mm-hmm. You know, I actually kind of slack off on other programs that I offer just to get people into BJJ. Mm-hmm. The reason being is even, even for my wrestlers, I say, hey, BJJ. The reason being is because you take these other martial arts and everything, and, and I'll say wrestling because that's what I'm most experienced at. I'm not really too experienced in boxing and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, I've trained it, but I'm not like what I am in grappling. But, you know, in wrestling, you're protected by this rule set to where you can't give yourself up in a bad position because mm-hmm. that's the match. Like, you get your shoulders on the mat, you're done for your pin. You know what I'm saying? And the way that even back when it first started – the culture of wrestling has always been the same. You, you're either going to kill me or I'm going to kill you. It wasn't n- nothing to where, like, okay, it's slow pace and it's like a chess match wrestling. It's never been a slow pace thing. And so that's why I always recommend BJJ is because in BJJ, you know, I get you in a rear naked choke. You have two choices. You can find a way out, right, or you can find an easy way out and just quit. You know, so it's teaching those adversity things rather than what wrestling isn't or or other martial arts isn't. It puts you. It can. It can if done right. And Texan has done right. It can put you in a control and controlled environment to force you to struggle to develop. Controlled chaos. Controlled chaos. Uh, I was gonna say, uh, how long has this podcast been running? I don't even know. Uh, this particular one has been running for about an hour and 25 minutes, but okay. so maybe an hour and 15 because of the train or okay. something. I was just checking, but that we can like going like just talking jujitsu broad terms that like, we could talk about this all night. Yeah. So. Um, I'll be honest with you, dude. Um, so, um, how much has BJJ changed the way that you wrestle, though. Oh, it was everything for me, man. I mean, I started wrestling, you know. Um, even in even in high school, um, I was never the most technical, whatever. I was just more, I was bigger than everybody. Well, not even bigger. I was just more explosive, and I had a super good little single that nobody could stop. 
and you know my mindset the way it was and everything now when i came into tech center it, it was everything for me um that's actually when i when i went d1 is when i started here um that night that mean you rode that uh that accidentally uh needs you in the head the first time ever and uh from the syracuse something that you have never saw i said i was pretty cool for me to teach you that and uh Man, it was everything, you know, because you, you have this mindset as a wrestler, and you still get it now. I mean, when a wrestler comes in the room, first time ever, you know what to expect. If a wrestler came in and Bam Bam knows he has to roll with him, he knows what to expect because everybody knows the coach wrestling has. It's not like a wrestler's coming in and he's doing this and that. That wrestler's coming here to kill you, and you have to teach him, hey, no. That's the, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so, like, even so weirdly, I mean, if a wrestler comes in, you're like, you already know what's about to happen. You know it. Brother. Triangles and, and guillotines. But yes. not, not even that. You, <laughs> you know what their intentions are. Yes. You know you know what to expect. You know how to prepare yourself. You know it's about to be a tough-ass role. You know what I'm saying? And Unless, it's happened. Yeah. Camorras, guillotines, and, and, and triangles. And that's the culture. And then, and it was translation translating to BJJ until – now, until we're starting to build this new culture to where, like, it don't have to be that way. Some people really can trade a long time. And not only that, but it's now it's building to where, like, me going back saying, okay, most males start at 22 to 30, and it's only really males doing this type of stuff. Now it's to where, like, okay, kids can grow up doing this now without getting hurt and actually enjoy learning to enjoy the sport. And now women, and, and Taylor's doing a good job about that, and, and Kira, Hannah, and, and a couple of other females around her. It's really boosting women's side of jiu-jitsu. And it's really cool to see because you don't have to come in and cure each other. You can compete, but in a fun and awesome way. You know what I'm saying? So, like, that's what really, really spoiled over for me is, be, is now that I can – everything I learned, I can pass down to the younger, younger generation of my program and stuff like that. And so, hopefully, it starts spreading like wild, wildflower. Fire. <laughs> wildfire. Yeah. Wildflower. Mario Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I've, I've watched Taylor struggle. Uh, I've watched Taylor struggle with, uh, like, seeing things um, in her women's group and stuff about how people are talking. And she's like, why are they doing this? Why are they doing this? And I'm like, it's not the same. It, it, ain't, it ain't you. It ain't what, whatever they're teaching over there. That's what they adapted to. That's them. That's mm -hmm. what they're going to think. You know, and then they, they might be feeling the same thing about you. Or about the culture over here is like us oh, too weak to solve until they actually put themselves into it, whatever. It's just what whatever the person you respect the most or whatever, whatever they're saying is what you're gonna adapt to. So if I walk into the gym first time ever, however that coach coaches, that's what I'm gonna know as that's what I'm gonna believe yeah. is true. You know? And it it's crazy though, because they're always talking about like being hurt and being injured and oh, I'm the smallest person, so I get thrown around all day. What? That's never happened to me. What's going on over there? What are you guys learning? Because even now, like if a new person comes in or even, you know, like whatever the case may be, if someone is intentionally trying to hurt me or any of our people at all, but like I know that I have backup, like I have people here that would say, hey, you don't get to hurt my people. Yep. And like it's just a super safe place to train for me. One of the things that I, I like about what we implemented is when I first opened, we would have mad enforcers, and I put that in quotations because we would have guys that like, oh yeah, if um, if if somebody walked through the door and they're like, 
trying to hurt our people, we'd have that map forcer teach them a lesson, right? Like mush them or whatever, which was standard practice for most gyms, mat enforcers or whatever. But now we try to kill that before, before that even becomes a problem. We talk to them. We explain to them like, hey, you don't have to win. Like you get to learn. Like we don't expect you to be – uh, we don't expect you to come in and just know all this stuff and be some world beater. Even if you are a world beater, we don't want you to be a world beater on us. We want you to try to learn what we're teaching and try to learn the jujitsu that we're teaching. And then you get to go be a world beater at competition. We don't have to, you don't have to win. That's not going to earn my respect coming in here and trying to destroy people, like <clears throat> beating us up. Like you don't know what we're trying to do today. Like one day, couple of weeks ago, everybody in the gym onboarded me. Everyone in the gym, like, got onboarded me. Everybody. And I was trying this new escape that I had learned. And I was like, oh, cool, I'm going to try this new escape. And guess what? 80% of the time it didn't work because I hadn't got enough reps in. But I rolled. I tried it. And I was like, uh, I'm not doing something right. Let me go figure out what I'm doing wrong. I'm going to come back and try it. Uh, well, if I had people jerking and snatching and – like trying to win, I would never have trusted them with my arm to be able to try, attempt to escape because they would just break my dang arm or at the very least hurt my arm while I wouldn't be able to do, yeah. I wouldn't be able to come and coach the next morning. So, but me being able to, in a role that's controlled enough to try this new escape, knowing that I have time to tap, people's not going to hurt me. Um, I, I don't, I'm not going to have to have surgery on my freaking elbow because I allowed my arm to be isolated by somebody or whatever. Uh, I, I, that's the culture that we built. And, and, I, and I think this is why the, this particular podcast was so needed. And especially for the people that, that is going to watch this is, you know, we started this podcast talking about injuries, you know, and, and a lot of people, well, I say 98% of people think of injuries being physical. Well, everything we've talked about, whether it's, you know, the belief in, in yourself, even simple things like this, this is all mentally injures, injuries. You know, this is this ain't just like a broken arm. You know, having your mindset broken, that's that's an injury. Yeah. You know, somebody walking through a door as an average human being, not knowing what this culture is, that's an injury, believe it or not. You know what I'm saying? Like everything that – and so us talking about that, this is all injuries, you know, whether it's mental – physically or spiritually dude yeah hey i'll tell you nothing more in the world that's what i was saying what i was trying to say earlier i don't even know if i got that across but like um there's people i run off from bjj because of my own mentality my old mentality i would just smush them and expect them to show up the next day people aren't going to do that if you come in and you just mush somebody they'll say man i never want to experience that again that 130 pound guy just beat, beat the brakes off of me and I felt completely helpless. You have two people, the one that'll come back and do it and want to do it again, or the one that runs from it and says, my ego cannot handle that. I'll never do that again. And you still have those two types of people, but even in a good culture, you still have those two types of people. But now it's a lot better because now you get to baby them into it. You get to, let them get reps, and they don't have to roll in my gym if they don't want to roll the first night. I always recommend the first night rolling to see what it's like, but you don't even have to until you build up a certain level of comfort 
with being that close to somebody with whatever. And for the guys, they are still trying to hold on to that ego. Like I can protect my family. If somebody tried to do something for those guys, we allow them to maintain a little bit of that pride and a little bit of that ego until they're ready to experience it. And so they developed a mindset of showing up to the gym every day or every days that they are supposed to be here and build that up. But when you, when you're not used to rolling, when you're not used to it, like just me setting my weight on people, I feel like a little truck sitting on top of you. It breaks you. Yeah. And then when you can't get up, it, it destroys and shatters your self-image of what you thought you were capable of. That's injury for sure. Well, let me, let me ask you, let me, let me ask them this. You don't cap because you've been doing it too long <laughs> and you're old. Um, <laughs> but, and, and I don't count because I grew up wrestling. I want, I want to get you, 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 your like personal mindset of this because when I started BJJ, like I had already had a base, you know what I'm saying? Jimmy probably don't remember that because it's been 20 years. So he don't have, he don't, he probably don't even know, remember his mindset they used to have when he started. As far as when you two came in, how did you, like, because we all know, like, how, because we do it now, and we're pretty high-level people now. So, like, we know and we, we expect an average person mindset. We know what they're probably going to feel when they step in. How did you take that mindset and build it to where you have now? With Neither one of you had a base, I don't think, neither. You know what I'm saying? How did you take that mindset as an average when you first walked in here as an average human being to what you have now and be able to talk the way we're talking now on this podcast? (laughs) Wyatt with the philosophical questions. Yeah, you want to go first Mm -hmm. for me? Uh, Do you have an answer? I can wing. I can wing anything. Well, you wing it, I'll (laughs) think. That's half my job. I'll I'll wing it. (laughs) So just coming in, uh, Jimmy did something a little bit different with me. Like, he had me. He's your, I started it with you. Yeah. So he had me experiment. Drill. Yeah, I was an experiment. I was a guinea pig. Uh, I didn't. I wasn't allowed to roll my first month. My first month, he had me drill one move. I drilled knee cutter for a month. <laughs> that was it. But I was only coming to two classes a week. So. By the but, way, that's a really good move to drill for a month. <laughs> yeah, for one month straight. Uh, knee cutter didn't even roll, and then when I did roll, uh, Jimmy. I didn't get smashed, but he just maintained top, top control and just mobility moved around me as I was just doing basic movements that I knew, like I had learned how to shrimp. Uh, I knew what a upa was, but I mean, very base level. So he was just letting me do those movements and moving around me, staying one step ahead, but never like killing me. And when I first started too, like I was always at that time when I started, I want someone to just go try something by myself. I had a friend that started with me, so we would check before we came to class. Like, hey, you want to not? Yeah, I'm going to. Okay. So we'd come together to do class. It got to a point where I just, the culture, Jimmy, he's my coach, but he's also one of my best friends. And I just started not even checking on my other friend because I fell in love with jiu-jitsu and the culture and just, like, I want You wasn't to, worried about it, but he's going or not. You're going. I'm going now. Like, it, I had transition to where I like this. This is fun. And then I know Jimmy has told a story before to where, like, I had been training a little bit and I got, like, my first win. Like, hey, this is actually fun. Because up until then, I was always a nail. But until when I got that first – you don't win at training, but when I got that first, like, personal win, like, 
like, hey, this is actually awesome. This is amazing. And I just, my my overall training changed because I used to, like I was 300 plus pounds and I was lifting weights, running, and I wanted jiu-jitsu just to supplement it. So it was just something else to supplement my training, just to change it up. Well, then getting involved in the culture, becoming friends with Jimmy, it transitioned to where I changed all my other training to supplement my jiu-jitsu because it just, it became ingrained with me. And I just fell in love with it. So, Taylor? Well, for me, I don't know. Um, I lived in Savannah. I lived in Savannah, and um, I had a really good friend, Ashton, that I would work out with. Um, we would go to the gym. It was more of like the cardio stuff, the weightlifting stuff. Um, but I wasn't big into it. It was just something to stay active and not gain 40 pounds in college. But I moved back and uh, didn't have any friends, didn't have anything. I was started a new job, and my mom was like, let's go try this fitness kickboxing class. Like, sure, Mom, let's do it. Little did I know that he had already met my dad, and he was a patient at my dad's office. So, anyway, we came in that day. Chiropractor. Your yeah. dad's a chiropractor. Which is amazing. But I, um, I couldn't live without chiropractor. He's the gym doctor. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, y'all, when I tell you that I was ready to leave this place as soon as I walked in, I mean it. And I've said this story before. I don't know if I've said it on a podcast or not. But I didn't know anything about jiu-jitsu. I didn't really even know anything about wrestling or any of it. And I walked in, and there was this man in a rash guard and compression shorts. She says a man, but. <laughs> oh, man, baby. Grown little man. Grown little man. I didn't know. I said, oh, my gosh, what have I got myself into? I just wanted, I was like, uh-uh, this isn't for me. This is weird. Um, but we were already here, and. I'm one of those, like, I can't just give up. I can't just say, oh, no, I'm not going to do it after I'm here. So we did the class, and it was actually pretty fun. Had a good time. Training with my mom, it was it was great. We were laughing and joking the whole time. But uh, one of the girls that was working here at the time, Beth, and I know I've said this story before, but she said, you've got to come back. You've got to do it. Um, do jujitsu tomorrow. And because I told her I would, I don't know why I told her I would, but I told her I would. And I showed up the next day, and... That day, I made friends. Like, the people in our gym became my people. And that's why I stayed. I didn't stay because I wanted to do jujitsu. I didn't stay because I wanted to do a combat sport. I stayed because I had started building a relationship with these people. And it didn't... Jiu-jitsu didn't become my lifestyle till probably about six months in. And that's when I, I got my first personal win. Huh. And because... Ugh, Every time I would take his back, he would stand up and he'd shimmy me down and I would just forward roll off of his back. And I finally figured out how to stop that, you know, grab the ankle, roll, he rolls with me. And I remember screaming like a little girl. And I was like, oh my gosh, I figured it out. I thought she was hurt. <laughs> I was like, what, what'd I do? I stopped. I didn't even, like, I stopped the roll because I was so excited. And that was the point when I was like, okay. Yeah. You, I can do you said something. I don't think you had a really like process what you said, but one of the personal personal injuries that I think everybody deals with is the whole thought process of cardio. So like doing cardio, if I tell you to do sprints, you're like, "F that!" <laughs> like it's not happening. <laughs> you get that feeling to where like you're just I, I get it, and and I'm an athlete myself, and I get it all the time. 
And, uh, and jiu-jitsu, like, you're so worried about, oh, I'm going to get, oh, I'm going to get Batman with this training. Oh, I'm going to get it. You're so tired, but you're just like, I don't know. It's just like your body just, now, other than, other than the competition, because competition stuff now, it's, but like, yeah, and, and in here, it's, it's fun cardio, man. It's yeah, like, it is. Okay. Like, I was telling y'all before we start this podcast, like, the guy I lift weights with, he had me do, like, the sled drags a day. Man, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> my legs were jello we we're just doing like 90 pounds and we did uh four sets and you go down and back four times that's it there were three of us so i'd go then i had a break while them two traded off then it was my turn again second set i'm like y'all i'm done and then one of them i guess that that man pride ego like come on waiting on you like it's oh, your turn it's your time it's still your set i'm like <laughs> I'm like, I, I ain't gonna lie though. I said take a forty-five off, and I just did it with a forty-five. Uh, dude, <laughs> when uh, that reminded me of a meme uh, that I seen, and uh, it it fit me so well. So like, I started working out with Bam Bam a little bit, and li- just lifting weights. And they was gonna do this running competition, like twenty miles in a month or something. Oh yeah, I remember that. <laughs> and I was like, Nah, I don't run. And two weeks in, and they was like, well, you can't do it now. And I was like, I'll run eight miles. And I'll run eight miles to not. Running's easy. It sucks, but it's easy or whatever. <laughs> and I'm going like, to add on to this after you get done. And I, they, were, they were like, no, you can't run eight miles. I'm like, wait, I, wait, wait. Y'all wasn't. Zach was. <laughs> well, they told me that there was Zach no way. You, there was no way. Day. There was no way that I could <laughs> run eight miles, and I don't run. Because I don't run. And the meme that I seen that reminded me of it is it's like through the whole pandemic, we couldn't train jujitsu because we wasn't allowed to train jujitsu or whatever. So we was like running and stuff. And I was sitting there thinking like, uh, or the meme was like, what am I running for? This is why I train to fight people. Like, so I don't have to run. <laughs> like, uh, well, it was funny. Well, I was going to say, uh, what ended up happening after you they Zach told you you not y'all not they after Zach told you you couldn't what did you do oh I run eight miles and that night I run eight I run like eight uh, some kilometers and I was point two uh from from running eight miles but I had quit because I had it on kilometers but I like went over and then I shut my app off but I walked two miles after that that was it we have a group messenger he messaged in the group because we all had downloaded the same app he goes how do i get to stop and record my time (laughs) he was still running but he was scared to stop running i didn't want to erase it because he didn't want to lose his time because when you hit stop it said do you want to close it out whatever and he thought he was going to lose his data so he messaged in the group while he's running like how do you stop it (laughs) (laughs) i can't stop running someone messes back quick yeah somebody help Somebody help me. I had run I run eight miles just off of sure will because uh because Zach said There you go. <laughs> yeah, I fixed it. Zach said, You ain't gonna run eight miles. I don't care. You don't run, you're not gonna run eight miles. And I said, dude, I can run eight miles. It's just it's a mindset. It is just mindset. Like um Y'all both won. Technically. Technically. Well, I walked two miles after that. Yeah, but because it, it wasn't recorded because I didn't want it to mess up my mile. Your time. My time. Because if I, um, but let's be real if I would have walked the last two, it would have messed up my average mile right. per hour. And it was that. like, it was like, I was running, um, I run, what was it, like 750? Yeah, it was good. Seven, it was minute, 
seven, yeah, seven minutes, 50 seconds a mile or something like that. And I run eight of them. Yeah. That was my average time. And what I was going to say was, too, like you had something kilometers. Like, it's a mindset. You were going to run eight miles. It's like if you knew it was miles, just point two, you would have ran it. Yeah. Like at that point. So he wanted, like, y'all were picking each other, having fun with it, you know. And he's like, well, really, you didn't. You did kilometers. Mm -hmm. But you would have if you'd known it was miles. Right. You know? And um, like I said, I walked I walked the last two miles to cool down because I was hurting. The next day, I thought I was going to be super sore and, like, painful, whatever. And they were like, oh, this was you, too. Like, oh, yeah, I bet you don't run tomorrow. You're going to be sore. <laughs> I did. I did say that. And uh, the next day, I run four more miles. And then the next day, I run two or three. I don't remember. But I caught up with Bam Bam. And Bam Bam was the leader. He was winning the, the thing. So, and then that competition, I think I ran two miles the next day. Yeah. Like, you ain't going to beat me. In the three days, in the three, in, they had been running for two weeks. In three days, I caught up to the leader. And then I didn't run the rest. And I was like, I just wanted to show y'all I could. I don't, I don't care about this competition. I did finish my 20 miles in a month, though. Yeah, you, you Zach, uh, Jacob, uh, you didn't finish, did you? No, I didn't finish. I thought it was only a couple of us. Yeah, I, I think it was just you, Zach, and Jacob that finished. The, I, I would have looked back because you can look, but I just, I haven't really been running, and now when I do, I just don't care. Like my time and stuff. Uh, yeah, uh, so I, I delete that app. I, I still have the app because I, I, I like being able to show, like, no, no. I, I can run. <laughs> I choose not to run. Look, this one time, look what I did. This one time, <laughs> this one time, look what I did. But, but I, I chose that. Because I I want I was trying to prove so Zach's one of my students that I care about. Yes. And I wanted him to understand that everything in your entire life is a mindset. I and now like he truly believes that. When I tell him like I run for a different kind of cardio, because to me running it still is cardio. It's a steady state cardio. With jujitsu, it's picking your time to explode, picking your time to exert that energy. It's not cardio the entire time you're rolling. Again, competition, way different. Uh, running is just that steady state cardio, and I still like it. Zach, he's like, that ain't cardio. It's just your mind. Like, that, that's what yeah. he says. He's like, you ain't trying nothing but your mind, man. Like, it ain't, hey, it ain't cardio. I believe that wholeheartedly. And, like, I, I wasn't – I was sore, but I wasn't that sore. Like, it was literally like, oh, let's take an Epsom salt bath. And it wasn't like I'd just been in an MMA fight where people were kicking me and – punching on me yeah. or a kickboxing match where people were kicking and punching or you know it wasn't even like i went and competed i was sore but not like oh yeah. i can't do anything sore but i, squ I went and did squats with you <laughs> and for the first time in my life because i've never really lifted weights i experienced not being able to sit on the damn toilet because you were so sore yes that is sore see that ain't the worst part is the sitting down is okay because after a certain point, gravity takes over, you're going to sit down when you get done and you got to stand up. That, that's what sucks. To me, it wasn't that bad standing up. <laughs> no. It was the seat. <laughs> Sitting my butt cheeks on the seat. <laughs> oh, your glutes were sore. Yeah, that. That's that. not, that maybe for some squats, but when I got you doing uh, like the glute hand raises and like the reverse hoppers, that's what hit that. Uh, see, I, I don't even know. I just know that I could not sit on the toilet. It yeah. hurt. <laughs> it hurt bad. But, 
uh, I want to finish this thing up real quick because we've been at it for about two yeah, hours. I was going to say one more thing. Then even if y'all kept going, I was going to have to head out. But no, nah, I'm, I'm I want to finish this up. But I want you guys all to kind of like say and yeah. uh, kind of just talk <clears throat> about you know your how it benefited and whatever you was going to say yeah. and, and that type of stuff. Well, I mean, I've done podcasts with you before, and I think we've already talked about my journey and how it benefited me. So I want to get in all that and take up the time. I just want to say. When Watt's question, like, how do you feel, the mindset you got here, and Taylor, me and Taylor answered, I just think it's, like, you said you started that with me. Like, how awesome and cool is it now, like, being a Staples here? Like, now I'm your head kiss co- co- uh, coach. Your first purple belt from day one. Like, you've had other purple belts, but from day one to now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Taylor, like, she's, like, the person that people see when they come in the gym. Like, she is the face of the gym, setting up appointments and administrative, signing them up and everything. Uh, like, the closer, like, and about to lead a women's jiu-jitsu class. I mean, like, how, how amazing is that? So, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I never really thought about building, like, I've always, one of my goals is to build an empire, mm-hmm. right, of, that has been one of my goals for a long time, and. I I wanted people to know how good I was. So it's funny. Uh, we were, I'm, I want to say it, it's a short story, but I know we were talking about getting off. But this short story matters to uh, my mindset or whatever. So I'm going to say it. Uh, a friend of mine posted the other day. It was a story that, that really hit my heart, and I thought about it. And you ever heard the saying, it's lonely at the top? Yes. It's not true. It's lonely on the way to the top, but once you get to the top, there's a, there's a party going on. There's people up there. the The problem is, is that when you start climbing that mountain to the top, you're leaving your old people behind. You're leaving your old groups and your old crews behind. And on your way up, they're like the crabs in the bucket. Where you know crabs, you could you don't have to put a lid on a bucket of crabs because if one starts getting out, the other crabs are pulling back down. That's why you don't have to have a lid on the bucket. Well, it's the same thing with your, the, your circle and the people that you're putting yourself around. When you're on your way up, they're constantly saying, well, that you're changing. You're not the same. You're, uh, you're forgetting where you come from. Like all these terms that are used to hold you back so you don't grow. So you don't grow to be a better person, right? And so all your friends see you climbing up the mountain and it looks a lot like work. And a lot of them don't want to come. A lot of them want to stay in their old ways. They want to party. They want to drink. They want to continue the same cycle of life that they've been. That and they're comfortable at. And they want you to be back where they are. They're not. But you're, on, you're getting on this level of thinking to where you're climbing up. But you can still see down and see all your friends and all the people that were behind in your past, Right. The problem is, is that when you start up and they say it's long, the people are up so high that they don't see you yet. But when you're in that bean or wherever in that coffee shop reading a book every day, one of those people from the top see you. They look down and they say, oh, man, there's such and such. Let's see what they're about. And they say, hey, read this book. This book will help you. Hey, hey, man. Let's talk about these, these things here. How much do you know about this? Oh, cool. Let me teach you about this. And they reach down. They reach their hand down. 
And now they're helping you up. They're helping you back to reach the top where they are. And then there's that, that level of where all these guys are. Well, then there's another hill. A lot of these guys stay here. Now you got to climb again, and that climb is lonely as hell. But then when you get to the top of that next one, those people are going to see you and they're going to pick you up. The problem is, is that people find that success or that find that next plateau, that next platform, and they stop because, hey, I found people again. This is comfort. I'm constantly climbing because I measure my success through uh, how much I can accomplish and how much of a difference I can make in the people around me. So I was about to say, I'm glad you said that continuously climbing because by that thought process, you'll never stop climbing. I'll never stop. Yeah. And I, I'll... I want to get to a level of success to build an empire to where I impact and influence everyone around me. What you start, sir, especially from what Watt was talking about earlier. Well, I didn't notice it had already started. Like, uh, that's what I was saying is that uh, uh, I didn't notice until he pointed it out. Like, I didn't, I really didn't notice that. I see it now that he pointed it out and he pointed it out on a podcast. It was pretty cool. Uh, I see it now because um, the the cultures and stuff and the things that I have brought, like I do have you as a kid coach. I do have Taylor who would have never in a million years done jiu-jitsu or anything, but the culture that I built has guided and helped her stay. It's guided and helped you stay. It took someone that was hard-nosed, that wanted to beat the shit out of everybody and show and prove himself to everybody and just hurt people. It showed him how to calm down and like say, Hey, there's another way. It took that, that hard guy that grew up hard, that constantly fought tooth and nail for everything that he had and say, Hey, I don't have to do this. I don't have to, to hurt people or whatever you want to say to prove that I'm good at this. And it's work. It's working in competitions too. It's proven this past weekend, you know, that, that culture works. Yeah, it does. And the, the cool thing about our culture, though, is that we get to try. In one of those hard-nosed gyms where people are knocking each other out, or giving each other concussions or slamming each other and trying to take these backs, in those cultures, these their guys, their top-level athletes, aren't getting put in hard positions because they don't want to lose training. So our guys that aren't maybe as, as – hard-nosed or as athletic as some of those guys in those gyms, they're beating them out in competition because they have been in those hard positions and they have tried this stuff and they, they get out of them because they, they put themselves there. Someone like at those hard-nosed gyms, people are having to force these guys there. So when they get forced there, it's it, what they weren't put there by choice and they break. They break pretty easy. But when we choose to be in those hard places and fight out of them, when someone makes us go there, it's not that bad. Hell, I've been here before. you know. And so it's working on that level, and it's pretty cool to, to see these cultures play out. And um, I try really hard to influence Steven's culture in the way that I know ours needed to be and the leaders that we need in our gym. And um, I – I trained Wyatt. Like, I, I spent hours and hours and hours and hours with Wyatt, teaching him to use his voice and um, and just telling him, like, dude, you can do this. Like, don't worry about – like, everybody has insecurities. 
everybody has these these things that we worry about, but those are yours to have. No one else knows what you're insecure about. And if they do, it's because you allowed them to get close enough. But you know yourself better than anyone else. You know all of your flaws. I just know what he shows me of himself. I just know what you show me. I know what Taylor shows me. Like your face, so to speak. I know what you guys choose to show me, but I don't know your internal uh, struggles. I don't know what injuries. Yeah. I don't know what those are to you. You know what I'm saying? And uh, y'all don't know mine. Y'all don't know what I struggle with or where, how far. I was telling Taylor uh, yesterday, like, how far I've come. I know, I could tell you guys my story, but none of you guys, unless you lived it, you're never going to, you're never going to know. You're never going to really understand the the mental abuse and the things that I've been through to get that I had to overcome just to get on this level of playing field with you guys or with the other guys that are on that success level. They don't know the hurdles and the things that I had to overcome. I had to learn to say no. I had to learn like early on, like uh, I didn't take Tylenol and stuff. Because I watched pills destroy everyone around me in their lives. And I watched it. So I wouldn't take Tylenol. It's like, no, nah, man, that's, that shit leads to breaking you. Not like I had to physically make that decision to hurt. Because I was scared of Tylenol. Because I seen what drugs and pills and all those things. I seen what they do to people. So I had to overcome that environment. Then I had to overcome that and help be a leader for my baby brother to not be overcome by that environment. I had to help him get out. I had to help my cousins get out of that environment of go, having to go and fight to prove who you are and make your dad and your, your uncles respect you just because you were a fighter. You know, or like that's how you got respect. Oh, this feels good. My dad respects me because I can hurt this person because I can hurt people. And uh, <clears throat> I had to overcome that mentality to get where I'm at. And now thinking about it today, seeing how we're changing the sport and how we're changing, uh, changing people's thinking and what we're building, man, it actually feels really good. Like it feels really, really good to know the influence and, uh, the, the things that I, that I'm, I'm, I guess that I'm doing. I didn't, I didn't really think about it like that until today, like. I was actually kind of discouraged a little bit. I'm like, dang, man, uh, when's everything going to shake loose? Like, when am I, when are the things that I want, when am I going to get these things that I'm, I'm wanting? I want to make an impact. I want to, to change everyone. Like, I want, I wish like hell I could go back in the past and show people the BJJ that we have now because I know I hurt a lot of people and run them off in the sport. Like, I know that I hurt people trying to prove that I was the best or prove that I was good. I know that I did, and I feel bad about it. Uh, it's almost like now I'm looking at it and going, dang, maybe I bullied people with my skill like, and run them off. And now I'm like, hey, come back. It's not the same. That's what I'm telling everybody Like when I'm like, come try it out. It's not the same. It's not the same thing. It's not what you remember if you tried it before. And uh, it's, it's anyway, it's really cool. and. I'm excited to see where we go and how big we get from here and what we're doing and like what Steven's doing. Steven's on the same path, bro. 
like uh, seeing what what Watt's doing. Watt's on the same path, you know. Like to see what we're doing is it's pretty freaking cool, dude. Um, I guess I ran it about that a little bit, but it's uh, um, it really is eye opening time, and I'm, I'm grateful for everybody that's allowed me to to be a part of their life and 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 to get to do what we do, you know. Yeah. So, anyway, that was my rant. Why you got anything? Ma'am, you got anything? No, I was going to say, I just closing statements. I mean, I'm good. So, why? Yeah, just my closing, you know, you said something about how it benefited us. <clears throat> and, you know, obviously, obviously, I just said my struggles, but one of the biggest things, you know, not, especially not a lot of people knew about was, you know, myself. I was so self conscious of my voice, you know, speaking out, um, the accent that I had, you know, um, when, when I was in uh, my freshman and sophomore year. Um, well, when in my eighth grade, I was super good at football, super good. I had, you know, I had 1,500 yards in, in my uh, middle school year, which has never been done before in the state of Georgia in middle school, and I was super good, and everybody had high hopes about me. And going into my ninth and tenth grade year, I had those seniors and juniors who really destroyed me. They really uh, they really messed me up mentally um, by the bullying and picking and everything, and it ruined my football career. Um, it made me t- to where like I didn't really want to come to practice or this and that, and it really, it really took a toll on me as as a as a person. And uh, you know, joining the gym after high school and everything, and uh, realizing that my flaws can be taught. You know that I can I can overcome this situation. As far as like when I did start a coaching, I didn't want to speak out for the parents, and when I did teach class it was more like talking low so like the parents couldn't hear me or like this and that and even you know like I was like stutter stutter or doing certain things and so we're like maybe a kid would laugh and it would maybe like what am I doing you know and it would limit the way I coach and my my abilities in coaching until now like you know, we always say you got to put yourself in uncomfortable situations to become comfortable whether that's being put in someone someone having you in back mount or whatever you know i had to put myself in those situations out there on the mat to where like i had to coach and be loud and over a period of time like now even today like i don't get that anymore like i'm good i've been talking for the people i had to come on this broadcast and talk like by doing the number one thing i'm most self-conscious about talking speaking and i'm on here maybe 100 people or whatever is going to hear this and so it's uh it's pretty cool, and I have you to thank for it. Appreciate that, man, Miss Taylor. Um, well, I guess for me, I was the opposite of you guys. I I wasn't the fighter. I don't have the dog in me, or I, and even like in my everyday life, I'm the yes person. I don't say no. I don't stick up for myself, and like I've had several situations with jobs and personal lives where I've had to be like oh no they're being mean to me and I wasn't speaking up for myself so with jujitsu and everything it took me a while but now like uh, it's probably what like within my first year so yeah for sure I I went to work one day and something happened and I don't even remember what happened and I stood there and I was like no this is the way that it is you will listen to me or you don't need to pay me for this job anymore and I remember coming home and I was like oh Guess what I did? Because that was the first time that I had spoke up for myself. I, you know, 
I was the one that they could just run over. And now, like, it has given me that, I guess, that confidence to say, no, I'm worth more than this. I don't deserve to be treated this way. And so, like, even just, it's crazy how a sport translates so well into your life. Like, how, like, you guys talk about how you had to become tamed or not be a fighter and not be, like, the mean Jimmy or, but for me, I had to learn to be a little mean. And it's strange. And even sometimes I think about it, I'm like, oh, I'm getting mean. Like, uh, <laughs> Calm down, Taylor. <laughs> getting too mean. Ben, what, what was your experience as far as that goes, like in your personal life? Personal life? Uh, more confident? More confident. Uh, I carry myself with more confidence, I feel like. Uh, you know, walk taller. But I I wasn't like a fighter in y'all sense, you know, like wrestler or a legit, like, cage fight or nothing like that it was more like the country fight you know like i fight if we if we have to like even though if i know you're gonna beat me you're gonna still have to prove it like there's that point like i'll take i'll take the ass beating just so you know you're gonna have to fight if this keeps on right but never like a legit fighter just only if we had to but do feel like i carry myself more confidence and uh you you about to say something my thought i was i want to say something off what taylor said and now I lost it. Oh, my Wait. bad. Uh, you go ahead. Maybe it'll come back to me. It might, but uh, we almost forgot. What do we ask every single podcast that we have a new guest? Oh, on? I remember. I remember what I was going to say, and I remember what we asked. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, uh, talking about being mean, I'm more on the same line as Taylor than with you two. So, you're talking about the mentality not having to have a mat enforcer now. But that's still, you know, still growing. And there are times when someone does need to be calmed down. And there was a time where you used me as that mat enforcer. I never would have thought that. I never thought that I would be the mat enforcer. But there has been times, especially. There's still times where. There's still times, especially on Wednesdays when you're teaching, coaching in Perry. And Wednesday is my class. And, uh, like, a new person comes in. Like, everyone that's in my class is my responsibility to make sure they don't get hurt. So, even if I don't have to be a mat enforcer... You put Taylor on him. No, he just tells me to knee bar them. <laughs> <laughs> I have to be... I'm the first role regardless of who they are. Right. That way I know how they roll. And then Taylor's turn, she can knee bar them. <laughs> <laughs> but the question, uh, what was uh, your first fight or most memorable fight? Most memorable fight that yeah. you've had. And explain it to us in detail. <laughs> yeah. Like we, we could be there. Like, oh, and it, you don't have to give us a time frame, so you can pretend like it was years and years and years and years ago, even uh, if it was I'm, last I'm, year. I'm going to be straight up with it. Uh-oh. And uh, my first fight, I can remember and, it. Well, it'll it 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 have to be the first. First slash most memorable. The just, most, yeah, most it's memorable. Actually, it's like, actually the same, because okay, in good. high school, I only had one, and this is this is that one, and it, and it goes back to where, like, uh, it was a group of people that was picking on me, right? So I never had a courage to fight one on one because I knew it wouldn't be one on one, right? And so it was. Uh, I want to say it's my tenth grade year. It's either tenth or eleventh. I'm I'm pretty sure it was my tenth grade year. But uh, we was on the football field, and uh, we was on uh, we was on defense. And uh, this one particular guy who would always pick on me. Um, he, oh man, he would always pick on me, man. And uh, it was one day I just, I was, you know, when you're out in the heat, 
playing football, you're aggravated as it is. You don't want to be out in the damn heat in summer. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so uh, he would. I was I was making plays and he was like, "Oh, I can do that." Or he was he was saying something along those lines. And uh I think when I walked by him to get water or whatever, he bumped me. But we're still like all on the football field. It's literally like 5 seconds after coach Blue Wilson said get water, he bumped me or something like that. And I just remember taking his face mask, shoving him into dirt, and I was trying to punch him on the helmet and stuff like that. <laughs> That's and, uh, and what I would never forget and uh, my friend that's coming over to the house later. We talk, we talk about it all the time sometimes, but I ripped his freaking helmet off, and when I tell you I was ready to punt this dude in the head, I tried to kick him with my cleats on in the head. He was on his, like, turtle position, and I, and I went to kick, and I, this is probably, I would have made a 90-yard field goal with this kid. <laughs> it missed his head about this much. <laughs> this much, I would have killed him if I if it, if it, if it would have connected it, by this much, and I would never forget it. Like I would never forget. That, was like, somebody that pulling on your hips yeah, or yeah, something? Yeah. Is that why yeah, you so, missed? Someone has pulled me by, by my um my shoulder pads backwards, and, and that's why you missed. And that's why I missed. But <laughs> he would, he would be they dead. probably uh saved you a, a sentence in yes, jail. <laughs> yes, yes, but I would never forget it, and uh, he never picked on me after that. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's just so we're on the subject, I'll say real quick. Uh, his best friend, the other one who used to pick on me, and uh, Jimmy kind of knows the story, but when we had the gym in Douglas, I actually, he reached out to me wanting some training, and I never forget him picking on me or anything like that. And so when he came in, it was like one competition night. We'd be cl- I actually locked the door to Tech Center, and uh, we was all in the cage, and we put in 10 rounds of sparring and stuff like that. And it was Brandon, and, you know, we're all boys, and I, and I told them the story right before he walked in. And everybody was like, oh, yeah. And so the doors <laughs> locked, and we just beat the crap out of this dude for, like, all night. <laughs> so you greenlit someone when that goes completely against our culture, right? <laughs> completely. This but is be before he bought in, too. Yes, before yes. we start drinking the Kool-Aid. Well, I'll tell you, it was, it was, very, it was very satisfying for me. I'll be honest with you. Cause even, Somebody take the keys away from Wyatt right <laughs> yeah, now. Even, even at that point in time, this dude was still a dick. Like, I was see him. Oh, like, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> it was completely okay just for this one night. So, if you're listening, <laughs> our coach did not apply for this one night. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. It's like, uh, this one night, I had to get my get back. One this night, kid bullied the shit night. out of me in school. <laughs> I one, had to show him what's up. <laughs> my one question Why'd you decide to punt the guy's head? You had his helmet. Why Listen, not? When, <laughs> when you're mad, you don't know. Like, when you're that type of mad, like, your body just does whatever it does. <laughs> oh, like, guys, I see red. Dude, like, react, like, you can think, you're thinking about the situation in your head, like, what's going on, but your body's just moving like a robot. You're just, and, like, when they pulled me back, like, I couldn't, my bad, I couldn't, like, punch him. So, when they was pulling me back, and so when my, my, leg, my leg just went up, and I was just trying to kick the dude. And so he said 50 yards. I'm gonna kick this dude's head to the fifth row, <laughs> but I'll never forget it. But I think that's a great way to end the podcast. Yeah, that's perfect. But, um, anyway, guys, uh, thank y'all so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, on this podcast, we we kind of have a topic, but we we always stray and we talk about our culture and talk about those types of things and, and everything. But it's real. This is as real as it get. We are just like this inside the gym. And I think that's what makes 
uh, everything that we do so authentic and that's what makes our gym culture so good is the fact that this is how we get down this is how we we handle things this is how we talk this is how we talk to one another and we protect one another when, when people are injured or whatever we still making sure they're growing personally and that they're trying to reach their goals um that's tech talk with miss taylor we got bam bam and why man you guys have an amazing week i hope to we're gonna start doing these and streaming these live uh we will get the schedule out when i post this we'll figure it out it's most likely gonna be thursday nights around nine every week um i'm not sure about it we may do it earlier before class or something it just depends on it just depends on our schedules looking like and um and whatever but we're gonna we're gonna do this every week guys and it will be a staple in what we're doing so we can talk about the things that we're doing anyway uh thank you guys so much